Movie theaters have a problem, child. Too much Eddie Murphy and Steve Carell is a schmuck. This week on 30 2010. Hello, everybody, and welcome to 302010, the Laser Time Network's weekly pop culture time machine, taking you back 30, 20, and 10 years ago into our favorite pop culture anniversaries of the week. Hi, everybody. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista. Who else is with me? Owner of the actual Mona Lisa, Diana Goodman. (laughs) (laughs) It's me, Sarah. And oh, the movie is a little slice of wonderful this week. So many great, one of my favorite childhood movies of all time. I have been dying to talk about this for so long. So happy you can join us. If you don't know what we do every week, we uh, look at uh, the world three in three decades. We'll open up a little portal right now to 30, 20, and 10 years ago in the week of July 24th to the 30th. And we'll tell you what happened in movies, TV, games, music, and more. Uh, oh, man. Should I just get this started? I feel like I'm rushing through my intro. Uh, no, I should say right off the bat that this show is executive produced by Joshua Klazer and many other fine people at patreon.com slash laser time supporting the show on the laser time network. Got a brand new edition of uh, the, where we go in depth on the games from 30, 20, and 10 years ago. Uh, I don't know how much the ladies are going to want to talk about 18 Wheel Trucker, the arcade version. <laughs> Do I? <laughs> I know I, if you haven't been listening to Paduke in the arcade show on this very network, as well as uh, some of our other shows, I know a lot of arcade collectors. That arcade machine is so big, most people give it away. Just like, just come get it. It's it's huge. <laughs> and why am I pl- plugging an old arcade game we'll barely talk about at the beginning of the show? God damn it. There's so much fun stuff to talk about, including something I just thought about the other day. Uh, let's, let's dive into our first decade. 1990, July 24th to the 30th. On the 26th, President Bush, part one, signs the America, Americans with Disabilities Act. Yay. Yay. Hey, fun fact. Mm-hmm. The American with Disabilities Act does not mean you can't don't have to wear a mask. Oh. <laughs> nope. But I got not even close. Absolutely does not mean that. But I got a I got a, a print I got a printout card from LegalZoom telling me that I'm allowed to be an asshole. <laughs> yeah, you got it from LegalZoom. It's the off-brand. That's <laughs> the the portable <laughs> Microsoft version. Um I I was yeah. I was just th- like I was just thinking like you know, we're talking. We, we liberals tend to talk a lot about the decline of America and civility and all that. But like something, I think we can all agree that is truly great about America. And you'll notice it when you go to foreign countries, even ones with better healthcare plans. We got ramps and dope parking for handicapped people everywhere. That's true. It's, we do got ramps. Yeah, we got like seriously, we have the most accessible areas by law and have for most of our lives. And that's the kind of America I want to. That's I thought of this without knowing we were talking about it. Like. What happened to that America? The one that's just like, yeah, that'd be a cool thing to do for people to help make their lives a little easier. Like, does the government still do yeah. that? <laughs> yeah, just mandate that things have to be accessible to people with uh, mobility issues, that mm-hmm. you can't fire or discriminate against someone with a disability, and that workplaces have to make a reasonable accommodation. Right, right. Which is usually right. something minor. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I mean, there, unfortunately, there was a downside that for a while it seemed like employment among people with disabilities went down because companies were like, oh, we don't want them to sue us if we don't do it right. Mm. But that has righted over time. And now it's like, 
yeah, mm-hmm. the reasonable accommodation could just be like, no, I need like a different keyboard or yeah, some, or just something like that. Yeah. Install like a rail. Yeah, it, right shitters with rails, stalls, uh, 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 like in like uh, what, ramped pavement, beeping crosswalks, like all this shit you don't see when you go to like much more progressive other countries. And and it, I don't know, it, it it somehow inspired like. Yeah, that's exactly the kind of world I want to live in again, where we all can mutually agree, like, that'd be a cool thing to do. Uh, and it wouldn't inconvenience any of us. Neat. While Mitch McConnell decides whether to bring a, <laughs> unemployment down to $100 a month. 30 years ago, we were uh, talking about giving Americans, uh, di- people, the yeah. differently able, like, better access to everything. Neat. Yeah. Like, oh, you were in a car accident and now you're in a wheelchair? Mm-hmm. You can't get fired for that. Yeah. That's it. That's yes. There was a time where they could just be like, mm, "No, no, you you got burned, so you look funny now." <laughs> also, Fire your grocery you. store has to make it so that you can enter it. Yep, right. Yeah. That would be nice. I yeah. I have a feeling though there probably was a significant amount of outcry from businesses saying, "Oh, it's going to mm-hmm. cost so much for us to you know retrofit this and fix that and da da da." So I'm sure yeah. it didn't go down super easy. Let's just put it that way. No, nope. Yeah, there was some pushback of people saying, yeah. like, oh, oh, reasonable we... accommodation, or just the idea that people are going to troll and make frivolous lawsuits for money. And there are oh. people who, like, professionally sue over the ADA, but they're activists. They don't make money out of it. They just, like, find a business that is just being really blatant about it and then sue them. They file yeah. a complaint and uh, just try to get it fixed. That's all they're asking for, usually. There's probably, like, one or two, like, evil ramp people but, <laughs> i mean compared to the good that it's done mm-hmm. <laughs> screw that yeah uh yeah and uh good on you president bush um never yes. forget you God heard I... it laser time firmly on the side of the ada do not oh i was gonna say do not isolate me congratulating president bush uh, no, God, no, never. uh 1990 <laughs> let's jump into the movies well Taking a, a quick trip over Blood Oath just because it's got Brian Brown and Brian Brown, he's in the George Takai is also in this, as is Terry O'Quinn. What up, what up, Locke? And the film debut of Russell Crowe. Yeah. I first I grabbed this before I even saw that it was the debut of Russell Crowe. Just mm-hmm. like, what is this cast? Why do we got Terry O'Quinn, George Takai, and Australian actor Brian Brown found it? Oh, it's an Australian movie about like Japanese war crimes during World War II. Mm. And it's fun to see, like, the couple different box arts for it where it's just like, oh, this is the original one, and this is the one later after Russell Crowe started <laughs> getting attention. I, I, like, yeah. He's got, like, two lines, but and he's a baby. He's a baby-faced. I remember now pick, he's in the forefront. Picking up yeah. that Americanized copy of Romper Stomper because he was right there on the front. <laughs> Sorry, that's, that's a movie about Nazis. That, that could be misconstrued. And then the, the, the two movies for me that are just, like, so exciting to talk about mm-hmm. two big <laughs> comedies that I think uh, most everyone every if you were around you saw one of these movies at some point mm-hmm. uh, probably the worst of the two oh well, I think we're gonna have a big argument over what that is I Ooh. think and, we will and <laughs> <laughs> Penelope Ann Miller Bruno Kirby Matthew Broderick and Marlon Brando in the Freshman Clark Kellogg is about to meet God Almighty this is my uncle Carmi Sabatini. You know, your resemblance Clark, Clark. to the cannabis scene. The family. I want you to take this totally legitimate work for $1,000 a week. Oh, I don't see how I can say no. I want to hear yes. Yes. Oh, this is, this is just, I don't know, if you're a film buff, this 
This doesn't get brought up enough. This is surreal. And this meta before meta. Delightful. <laughs> and and uh, how do how do we begin to describe it's the, the freshman. freshman? The freshman. Yes. The freshman. I remember the promos everywhere. This is like right me becoming pop culture awakened by the time it hit cable slash like I didn't get HBO. I had Encore and this aired like every seven minutes. So I watched mm-hmm. this movie <laughs> over I th- this movie caused me to write my first bad film essay that I never published. And, huh. and I swear to God, it was about why Matthew Broderick is being a total pussy about rejecting offers to be in the mafia, even though that's not what's happening in the film. But he's a big whiny wuss in the in the heyday of Matthew Broderick. Uh, but he, they said they, the production says he only joined on because Marlon Brando is in. And if you don't know what's special about the freshman, it is Marlon Brando playing Vito Corleone. In a comedy. Yep. Well, yeah, it's one of those weird things where the movie exists in a world where the Godfather exists. And the running joke is like, oh, my God, that guy looks just like. And they're like, yeah, don't say it. Don't say it. He hates it. it It's because (laughs) he wasn't paid in in what Vito Corleone was based on. uh, Carlos Sabatini. Like that. They never paid him. And it's (laughs) one of those like things that is in this example it's very charming i found it to be quite charming but like i've seen it before in like uh, i think it was like oceans 12 i think where Mm -hmm. julia roberts has to pretend to be julia roberts gross don't like that oh i thought we liked that scene um this but this is trying too hard that time this time it's this is cute pretty adorable yeah yeah and 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 i thought i was getting ready to like come to this movie's defense because i always rather liked it and i realized it was in the news a lot because of Marlon Brando, but it didn't get bad reviews at all. And it was actually pretty financially successful. I don't know how they did it, because how they were not sued for this. Because not only did I, I did not know, uh, I, I did not know this movie is also technically existing in the same summer box office as Godfather 3. Yeah. And, Ooh, and, and I saw this movie before wow. I saw The Godfather, which, oh, me too. which you like doesn't. It doesn't do it justice, and I, to be honest, I don't, I don't know why everybody. <laughs> I don't even know why that's a good role for Marlon Brando in the Godfather. It's such a silly character. No, uh, I texted you while I was watching this the other night that this is my favorite Marlon Brando. Yeah, I think <laughs> like I think this is his last great role, and that's yeah, give or yes. take what how you feel about the score or uh, his little moments in Superman. But yeah, this is a, this uh, is Marlon Brando Don clearly. Don DeMarco, <laughs> Free Money, or The Brave. Oh, or, oh, we've already talked about Island of Doctor Moreau. Oh. Yeah, uh, I I feel very confident in saying this is Brando's last good performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, it's just, and it's really good because he never really did comedies right ever mm-hmm. generally. And I mean, he but that's part of the fun is that he plays the straight man. He's just Don Corleoneing up, no matter. What goofiness is happening? Like he, you know, tells Matthew Broderick, "Yeah, go pick up this Komodo dragon for me." Whichever, those rare it's occasions like, where I put on the, I, I do like shitting on the Godfather a little bit because it's you know it's an Italian movie. I grew up loving it with my dad, and I watch it now. And I'm like, I don't feel much of anything about this anymore. Mm. Uh, it just there's so many better mafia movies. It's it's it, I don't know. It, it was intentionally yeah. old timey and slow and big, but. You can mix up your memories of it because Marlon Brando plays this character more in this movie than in 
<laughs> the Godfather. Well, he does that with he, such a plum too. Like it, the little moments that he does are so funny when he's like cracking the walnuts in his bare hands and he's like <laughs> shoveling sugar into Matthew Broderick's like coffee, like just seven spoonfuls of sugar. Like you're going to need this. It's just like those little touches are so cute. I mean, they, I had several laugh out loud moments while I was watching this and I definitely – it, it's one of those movies that my parents watched when I was growing up and mm. I it stuck in my craw and it took me like a long time before I was able to be like, does anyone remember a movie with like the mafia and a Komodo dragon? Yeah. And then I finally <laughs> figured out what this was. Um, and I, it's just delightful. It's I just, just I so just... cute and funny and sweet and, and delicious yeah. palate cleanser. Yeah. Even without, brando in it just the idea is fun you know that it's yes. it's a, a regular nebbishy schmuck who kind of accidentally is now involved in the mafia and it's like very nervous about this because that's not the kind of guy he is so that would work with just about anybody i mean it's you could put a lot of people i'm i'm in, not sure that brando role. from uh when a date having dating someone for 10 years his favorite movie is mickey blue eyes this could have gone a lot worse <laughs> But I, I think it really it primarily works because how how f- much fun Marlon Brando is having. It, it's like mm-hmm. all that mindless improv, don't give a shit chicanery that we love about Marlon Brando as he ruins movie roles for millions of dollars. <laughs> it's just it just it makes the movie a billion times more fun. I think he he so saves true. the fucking movie entirely because he's like threatening and he's he's constantly riffing on moments from not only The Godfather but his other movies. There's like a other. He calls Clark Kent at one point. Clark, Kent, no, because yeah, he was Clark Kent's dad. It's it's so fun, and I don't know the, the ending. I don't. I don't even. I don't want to give away the ending. I guess, but like, uh, you know, I, I wish the the mafia was yeah. more involved. We don't have to give away the ending, but kind of the idea is that he's like a mafia. Marlon Brando's appears to be a mafia guy, and he is tasking Matthew Broderick with bringing a Komodo dragon yes. to an event with, where the Komodo dragon will be. Serve so that people food. can illegally eat mm. it. <laughs> yeah, because it's endangered right. and mm. hijinks ensue. And there's also some great mall footage, some really Ooh. good 80s <laughs> mall footage in the beginning where they're like chasing this Komodo dragon through the mall. I love that. Love seeing all that. Yeah. And some really, really very, very true to life jokes about being in film school that I felt in <laughs> my soul. <laughs> Him and Frank Whaley is his roommate. And yeah, they're in film school with this snotty professor who never really accomplished much, but is super snotty about it anyway and makes everyone buy his book yeah. and tell him how right he is all the time. Oh, I felt it. Yeah. I felt it in my feet. Oh, and that's uh, all the way down. I remember when this movie came out, it had like a negative energy about it. And I didn't realize that was almost entirely because of Marlon Brando. Uh, according mm. to lore, the the movie went over in, into overtime and they were supposed to give Marlon Brando a million dollars a week when that happened. And they didn't. And he's like, I will talk shit about this film endlessly if you don't give me a million dollars a week. They did not. <laughs> and when the film came out, he shit all over it publicly. What? Yeah. Oh my god! Like I mean, like he's he's a bit of a recluse, but I think it was just in a couple of papers. But yeah, that's that's what made the headlines when this movie Mm. came out. Not necessarily the reviews. The idea that like Marlon Brando, one of our greatest actors, hates the movie that he's in, and it and I think it it cast a little bit of negative energy on the film. But like I didn't discover this till cable airings, and this is on all the time. I've seen this movie a ton. Mm-hmm. And, yep. and it's, it's uh, written and directed by Andrew Bergman, who he yes. wrote on Blazing Saddles, Honeymoon in Vegas, and also some worse movies we shouldn't talk about. <laughs> mm. 
I just, I just can't believe like him describing. Apparently, it, it the conversation, the movie was going forward with without the gag that this is the guy Vito Corleone was based on. They had him and Marlon Brando imp- like just thought of that and like ah oh, let's change it to that and like well what was this before? That's like the funniest part about the movie. And how do you? I don't even know how they get away with this. This is a Sony movie with a fucking Paramount character in it. It'd be like Heath Ledger showing up and doing his Joker impression in a Marvel film. It, well, it also has clips of the, Godfather, clips of the Godfather in the movie. <laughs> so I'm sure, like, you know, having a character yeah. act like is like icing on the cake. Yeah, they already paid for the rights. I guess they paid for it. And just, yep. but just with the uh, with with the Godfather three coming out, it, has, it gives it a never say never vibe, <laughs> never again vibe, because <laughs> uh, they didn't have Marlon Brando in their movie. They had to settle for Sofia Coppola. Oh, oh God! <laughs> and I'm kind of dreading that rewatch, but uh, yeah, it's one of those. I felt like it was probably because of the, the getting shit on, and of course, hearing that Brando was impossible to work with and is hard and all that. That, that I thought this just sort of had like a meh reputation, and I was the one standing up for it. But I found out ninety four percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow! Yeah, that's cool. hardcore love for this. I was for I was really? shocked yeah. to find that critics really really dug it. Yeah, good. I'm it glad. is fun, even if you haven't seen. The Godfather. I feel right. like it's still a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. I agree. I, and again, I had not. I had not seen The Godfather when I'd seen this film. Because uh, <laughs> I was too busy watching the next film. <laughs> oh, so excited. Uh, <sighs> the debut of some of my favorite screenwriters. But Michael Richards, Amy Yazbek, Gilbert Godfrey, Michael Oliver, Jack Warden, and John Ritter in Problem Child. Meet Ben and Flo. Florence, why can't we adopt? You want a little baby? Well, old babies are little. Just this morning, I came upon a seven-year-old. A little rambunctious. <laughs> Weren't we all at that age? <laughs> now, I think we've got a problem. Oh, you think we've got a problem? Problem child. Rated PG. This movie, man, I keep uh, calling it the. Oof. It's one of the meanest movies I've ever seen in my whole. My parents would not allow me to see this in theaters, and we from talked, the director of Grown Ups. Yeah, Dennis oh. Dugan's first movie, also yeah. known as the guy who makes a ton of Adam Sandler shit. Uh, yep. But it's that the tracks. it's the it's the, it's the film debut of screenwriters uh, <laughs> Scott Alexander and Larry Karasuski, who wrote Ed Wood and My My Name Is Dolomite. And they were just, I love their stories of being completely ashamed of it, cut to now where every executive they see is of the age of people who grew up watching Problem Child every day on HBO and couldn't be happier to see them because of, oh, the Problem Child guys? Yeah, let's hear about their Dolomite movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's weird. It's That's super weird. It's, it's funny how it comes around, but like everybody was ashamed of this film when it came out. Everybody. the Rightly studio, so. The studio, dude, I, <laughs> as a time capsule, I love it. And learning more about the little details of, apparently this is based on a real article about a, a family who wants to sue an adoption agency for the mental illness of their, their child. And they had set out to make this really dark comedy and the script was really dark. And they're like, no, nah, we need to get this down to PG. And the, there's a little bit of the darkness that bleeds through. Like, why is this being done in a kid's movie? I'm not talking about like the yeah. animal cruelty and the farts and the pee. It, the other stuff, like the kid says the R word in it for no reason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's well, mm-hmm. what, so I've never seen this before, oh. but yeah, I mean, it has a reputation for being terrible and I'm always, I, I'm always not a fan of uh, child actors who are mm-hmm. supposed to be wacky. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I found the kid, 
kind of annoying to find out oh he beat macaulay culkin for this part damn yeah but what i wasn't expecting was how horrible all the adults are yeah (laughs) i thought ever i thought all the adults would be wonderful sitcom people and then this kid is a little satan but the adults are all garbage too the the only good character in the movie is john ritter and it just it it makes me kind of selfish though yeah but like his wife by, played by his real wife Amy Asbeck. She is a fucking garbage person. His dad is a fucking garbage person. I'm selling out they to the Japs. The most, <laughs> they are the most like selfish, mean, greedy people. They're mm-hmm. like, oh God. I have lines written so down like bad. I won't wear secondhand clothes. I won't have a secondhand kid. We've yeah. Been... Yeah. She only wants to have a kid for like to to be fashionable at parties. So yeah. the, what? The, the story I... went the story went like it, it was it was written as such a dark comedy and as it went along, there's like some of the stuff it's very weird makes TV airings. But if you've only seen this on television, this is a PG movie and they have to cut out a lot of it, a lot of it to air on, to air television back in the day, because it is really harsh. It is Dennis the menace for a new era. And this kid really fucking is sucks. Amazingly. He's an evil kid. That was very interesting to watch how they characterize this child as like, just a bad child. It wasn't that he was an orphan. It wasn't that he had some mental illness or, or you know, any anything that you could use to like explain. He didn't get redeemed at the end. There's no redemption. Nope. He's just bad. Just and oh, I could not. Ugh. This movie was a rough watch. Dude, what about what about Michael Richards? Yeah, I mean, I love him. I love him in this. <laughs> apparently, this is the second time ever Chris, where Christopher Lloyd said no. And Michael Richards stepped in. I didn't know the first time was UHF. Like that was oh, the, interesting. But, like Michael Richards wouldn't have a career unless Christopher Lloyd said no. And it just seems like there's like 60 years in between those guys. So I can't even imagine. This is he plays a serial killer that the kid looks up to. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Seems like Macaulay Culkin and uh, Christopher Lloyd both dodged a bullet on this one. I I, I totally yeah. just a flavor of the weirdest part of the 90s. This mm-hmm. there's nothing like this and will never be anything like this again it's very surreal and it did give me some flavors of heathers a little bit Mm. like the kind of sinister suburbia sort of idea um and it's so over the top yeah because the the normal people are pieces of shit too yeah yeah Yeah. Uh, and so i did get a little heathers vibe there but yeah john ritter is really the only good thing about this movie yeah it's like if maybe if the comedy was less Fucking terrible. Right. I mean, so much of the comedy is like, it's just just not funny. I totally right. disagree. Look, uh, a fist. I mean, sometimes it, sometimes <laughs> I it is. You know, sometimes, you know, it's always good when people get what they deserve. And, <laughs> There's so <laughs> you much. Know. You They throw a cat at Jack Warden and he falls down the <laughs> stairs. It's absolutely yeah. wonderful. <laughs> well, yeah, as I'm saying, some jokes work and some of them are just like, oh, God. And I don't. I think I thought it was gorgeous. I watched it earlier in the year, and, ever, and I've only done it when other people are around. Like you've never seen this. What? And like it's a bit of a groaner, but most of the time you're just aghast that like this is for kids. Mm-hmm. There, yeah. There's so much yeah, stuff that, a lot of that my grandmother was fucking horrified that like this was available <laughs> for children, and I, I couldn't find it. I really wanted to. I've never seen anything like this before. It was. Universal kind of distanced itself from the movie, like didn't really want to promote it that much. Even its poster was like gathered anger from animal rights groups because it shows a cat in a fucking dishwasher. And 
And they just kind of like, ah, let's just, you know, we'll market it quietly to kids' networks. And kids loved it. So when this came out on video a year later on home video, before the pre- credits pop up, he's like, hey, I'm Junior. Get ready because Problem Child 2 is coming to you. Fart. And I've, I've never seen any movie other than Back to the Future 2 like interrupt its credits to promote a sequel. And mm. that's not any of the home versions. And I mm. couldn't find it anywhere. But I do encourage, if, like, if you saw this only on cable, the movie opens with Junior peeing in somebody's mouth. And, yeah. <laughs> and, and they, like, you still can't show that on cable for some reason. And, I, wasn't the poster, though, a, a knockoff of Parenthood? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, that's, I remember that a lot from seeing that in the blockbuster. But other things I had written down, uh, it, it is, it's the start of a bizarre franchise. It, uh, it gets a second, third, and I think maybe a fourth film and an animated Oof. series. And there's constantly talking about reboots. And I say, why not? If you can find the right tone, which I think this, this movie did, it's, it's, it's got that good, uh, Edward Scissorhands darkness to the brightness. That's, uh, mm. I, I do, I do oh, like man. this movie. That like, remake mm. is going to have Jason Sudeikis playing the John Ritter role. <laughs> it's going to be wow. really dark. Damn, damn, damn. Hold on, that's profound. You nailed that one. Uh, oh, and I also, <laughs> in, in the sequel, which is so much worse, where he makes everybody, every everybody at the party drink his pee. They, I love that they cast Amy Yazbeck as a completely different character. She, she plays a nice person who falls in love with John Ritter. So he's technically with the same woman in both movies. And, huh. Oh, and, wow. Yeah, it's just, yeah. It, it just I, like a neat I didn't nod. realize, though, that I, for some reason I thought they were already married at this point. No. But no, they met, they met on this they movie. They met on Problem Aww. Child. Aww. Right. And, Damn, I hope they got Gilbert Godfrey to perform their wedding. And that would Gilbert be Godfrey so is the only thing that ties all the, the franchise together. <laughs> and I have to say, he is fucking delightful. This is like my right. favorite yeah. performance from him. He is energetic and clearly improvising uh he's mm. wonderful every time he's on screen i remember i think this is why i loved him so much and come on you guys you know, when she goes yep. to the, the fertility I, doctor and like you don't even have a green thing and your blue thing is brown <laughs> <laughs> no i think i mean he he still uses it as a punchline to this day on his podcast where he talks about you know this high quality body of work like problem child <laughs> i am te- i'm telling you people shit on it but like this delighted me as a kid and it, i'm sure anything like it would delight kids as well because it 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 did feel naughty at the time and my parents yeah. read about it and wouldn't let me see it, which made me want to see it all the more. So when I got my grandmother to rent it for us, when we were staying at her house, we, my sister and I watched it over and over and over again. And, mm. and we just loved it. We loved it. Sorry, talking too much about Problem Child, but it is my favorite movie of the bunch. Uh, what? Yeah. Yeah. It, well, it's, it's a personal favorite. And I think for what I want to see in it, it holds up really well. I mean, John Ritter is such, such a great comedic straight guy it's hard to even mm. call him a straight guy because he's just so good at what he does yeah miss him so much uh and i think this is like my favorite movie with john ritter in it maybe mm. Mm. i know mm. he didn't he didn't make a lot of great movies i love stay tuned and real men but <laughs> here we are yeah. maybe sling blade anyway moving on to the number one of the movie uh, number one movie at the box office in 1990 july 24th through the 30th um greta Sach- Sachi, paul winfield Bonnie Bedelia, Raul Julia, Brian Dennehy, Harrison Ford, presumed innocent. You're in charge of this investigation? There are 150 lawyers down there. They couldn't find one who didn't sleep with her. Find out which of the creeps she put away is out on parole. She's dead. And you're still obsessing. You were in Carolyn's apartment the night she was killed. We've got the fingerprint results. Is this the first time Harrison Ford was accused of something he didn't do? 
Harrison Ford didn't kill his girlfriend. I didn't kill my <laughs> soon-to-be wife. I didn't kill my, my girlfriend. Wife. Yep. Oh, now we got two weeks in a row of him cheating on the missus and paying the price. Wow, mm-hmm. on 30, 20, 10, yes. Or does he? I love this movie. Really? They just don't yeah. make movies like this anymore. It's teeters on erotic thriller. There are some very erotic love scenes in there. And it is very thrilling. I actually read the book to prepare for the watching the movie. Are you because, crazy? Yeah, it's great. It's like a perfect beach read page turner by Scott Turow, who is a very good legal writer. He does a lot of legal thriller, book, like kind of a step above John Grisham, whom I also love. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, this movie is fun, fun, fun. I love it. Yes, I, I don't I, know what it's I about. Like it too, as having. You know, it's a grown-up movie for grown-ups that's yes. also a legal thriller, that's also an erotic thriller, it's also a mystery, you know, it's like, there's all kinds of stuff. There's something for everybody, yep. as long as you're, like, you're a, a grown-up. I have never seen this. You must tell me what it's about. Yeah. Okay. Right. So, uh, Harrison Ford plays a prosecutor who's been cheating on his wife, and uh, then the lady he's been cheating with uh, ends up brutally murdered, and he's charged with investigating it, and then... All of the evidence they keep find seems to be pointing at him. Can he just? And then he goes on trial. Can mm-hmm. he quietly recuse himself, or or destroy all the evidence? Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. I'm guessing he's, he has too much integrity to do such a thing. But Gomez is so good in this. Uh, <laughs> oh, Raúl Julia. <laughs> I love is, him. So I, I realize there are so many people who've never seen Raúl Julia in a serious role, and he does so much with not a big part. Mm-hmm. Uh, where he plays his defense attorney mm-hmm. once he's been charged with this murder that he was supposed to be investigating. Uh, yeah, Raul Julia is serious shit in this. Mm-hmm. Overdrawn yeah. the Memory Bank's a serious movie, right? Hmm? What? <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> no, Street um, Fighter is not a serious movie. <laughs> Close. Yeah, it's, I mean, this will not surprise anyone to hear me say it, but I absolutely recommend reading the book before you watch the movie because it really fills in a lot of character holes you know like and i kind of watching the movie with sam who didn't read the book i was kind of thinking i wonder i mean this these characters are just not as round if you don't also of course have the book behind it so anyways i just love that experience of reading a book and then watching the movie right after and feeling like you've, you're getting a whole experience but they, don't, they don't drastically alter any of the details it's just no. they, they fill in a lot more uh richness no no i mean i can only think of like one detail at the end that was changed and it it didn't even really change it that much but yeah it's um it's great it's really fun yeah and it's got it's another one is it's got a deep bench of people oh yeah character actors who would go on to do a lot of other stuff you got john spencer in there you got bradley whitford in there uh, you got jeffrey wright in there it's Joseph right. mazzello the little kid from uh jurassic park jurassic park mm-hmm. yeah little yeah. west Paul wing Winfield, who's always good Dennehy's always good. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's a solid, it's a solid one. But uh, unfortunately, I can never think about it without thinking about Kids in the Hall, mm. because because uh, right. they had a sketch about the Pit of Ultimate Darkness, which is the <laughs> evil show where they do evil things. Simon and Hecubus are two characters who uh, are real try-hard evil people. <laughs> yeah. Spoiler warning, though, for this. Hecubus, have you seen the movie Presumed Innocent? Yes, I have, Master. And his wife killed her. <laughs> but Hecubus, I haven't seen the movie yet. 
I love Hecubus just makes a I'm a bad little boy face. Mm-hmm. I looked it up. This that aired in October of Damn. 1990. So the movie is still fucking in theaters wow. in a lot of places. Wow. wow. That's cruel. And even it's another one of those where it's like, well, if you know the ending, going back and watching it again, kind of it's like, oh, that's why that did the thing. Yeah, that's true. You know, and also this is a big summer for Bonnie Bedelia. She had two big movies, blockbusters, really, one right after. I mean, I don't know if Presumed Innocent you call it a blockbuster, but it's number one at the box office. So, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and Die Hard, too. All right. <sighs> <laughs> we have to move on to television because, uh, man, oh my God. All right, 1990 television, uh, July 24th through the 30th. Well, a little bit of TV news. Movie Time, the Movie Time Network rebrands as E with an exclamation point. That's how you say yes. their name. I'm surprised you didn't know mm-hmm. this. Uh, e Entertainment Television, um, and I believe that is, dude. I think Comcast buys up a majority stake in the network, and uh, there used to be monopoly things. And like, uh, this channel got to suck for 15 years, but was in everyone's cable package because Comcast owned it. Um, mm-hmm. And I did like I, a couple years ago. I was researching like, what the fuck did they show on Movie Time? And it was like. I was looking because they, they he had a show called Coming Attractions, but which before the yeah. internet was just where you could watch trailers, I introduce talk soup site like yeah. in full, and like fuck yeah, I'll sit through yeah. six trailers I don't like to see Starship Troopers trailer again. Sweet, same here. And and that was one of the only things yeah. that carried over. The other thing that carried over, one of the only things that carried over was Greg Kinnear. Greg Kinnear was a, a talking yeah. head on the Movie Time Network, and they funneled him into this weirdo show called Talk Soup, which became E's first big hit. It was the mm. only reason I ever watched the yep. channel. I Absolutely. wish I wish channels like E would like eh, like maybe once a quarter do like a 24 hour throwback where they just like play oh. the programming from that day like you know 20 years ago. I just think that would be so much fun to see an old E true Hollywood story, a rerun of um you know the reality show with the blonde lady who married the super old guy. Anna Nicole Smith. <laughs> Anna Nicole Smith, thank you. Um yeah, I would love to see like a block yeah. of that. I, I still, I so still have fun. references. I remember there was one summer where I was just in between things and I watched reruns of talk soup like four times a day. Cause mm-hmm. I just really like thought John Henson. I, it, it's a such a great format. It's so stupid. It doesn't exist right now. Um, yeah. But, but like the John, I have all these references and like, this isn't even on YouTube. I can't revisit this anywhere. Aww. You remember when John Henson had a hunger strike for like 19 days until Dustin Hoffman came on Talk Soup and he did with John Lovitz as his lawyer. That happened. And like, there's like no footage of it anywhere. Uh, sorry. The E Network is officially 30 years old uh, this week. I could, at first, Sarah and I couldn't find any information on this title. And then I dug a little deeper. If you, there was a Laser Time episode we did recently on Lost Media. This had a big write up there because it only was recently found. I still can't find enough information of it, but it. I'm going to play you a clip, but I want you to go out of your way to see this because it's one of the most bizarre things I've ever seen. It was a pilot presentation that aired on the Fox network 30 years ago, and it is in absolute insanity. It is called Hollywood Dog. Don't Google it. You will not get anything, <laughs> anything that you want, nothing that I'm talking about because they're two generic terms. It's a, it's a pilot based apparently on a comic strip where an animated dog is a talent manager. And mm-hmm. in this version, he comes to life and is voiced by Hank Azaria. Very into titties, very into titties. Well, and, uh, it dogs is, have eight of them. So it is elaborate, <laughs> it, but it just, the elaborate nature of this, like who, 
how did you think you were going to be able to do this on a weekly basis? This is, this is, it's Roger Rabbit esque in terms of, uh, not in terms of the animation, which is too wild and spastic, very, too cool world, but like, yeah, that car door's opening on its own, that guitar is throwing itself around. This is a very elaborate shoot, and you, how could you do this every week? It is, it's called Hollywood Dog, and Hank Azaria is the voice of the titular character who is literally named Hollywood Dog. Some chick dumped you. For a rich guy in a Corvette. Yeah. Dames. Yeah. Dames. Oh, nice shoulders, toots. Thanks, Hollywood Dog. Shannon Tweet. I saw her in Playboy. Yeah, cool your toolbox, kid. She's an actress now. So, Shannon, I've got this screenplay for the right price. I give you the first peek. Call me. Don't toot me, babe. Your clock is ticking. What is... How... What it's one the of, fuck? It's one Talk of... Talk about mean. Did he call her a mattress? <laughs> He's an act, she's an actress now. She was Oh, a... my God. I thought he said she's a mattress now. I was like... Jesus. But he, he did, he, he did like this cartoon character offered her a spot on the casting couch with eyes to match. It, this is, it's, it's pretty difficult to watch because it's both slow and like incredibly outdated, but it, it's transfixing. Like it, I almost couldn't start the show when I did because mm-hmm. like we found this very late in the game based on a cartoon strip. I can find literally no information on at all. I'm so boggle like it makes no but in a weird way it makes sense after roger robert was successful that you would want to make something like that which is it's a live action show with an animated character but Mm -hmm. it's really hard to do that and also like the character design is very bland it's just Mm -hmm. sort of basic like i am a dog-shaped blob that (laughs) moves a bit i am vaguely kind of sound like most is uh what the hell? It's 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 unbelievable. And like as if you're an animation fan like I am, like it, it's it's just it's worth tracking down, but maybe we can try and throw up a clip somewhere. I really do recommend it because I've never seen anything like this and how dare they assume they'd be able to do this every week. Unbelievable. Mm. Uh unbelievable. And in, in other parts of uh big news for Chris and maybe not <laughs> Diana and Sarah, this <laughs> Swamp Thing show debuts on USA. Yes. Arcane's got a deadly new weapon. But hey, that's science now, isn't it? Not even Swamp Thing can destroy it. Swamp Thing on USA. Oh, this is so exciting. So exciting. I know we're... <laughs> I, I was trying to do the math the other day. If I, as a comic book fan, sat down and tried to watch every DC show currently on the air right now, would I still have any no. time left to do to take out the garbage? But just just back in the day, I remember I I had it when my um, parents threw away one of their VCRs. I put we put it in their room and I would set it to record every comic book show that aired every week. And that was four. There were four and none of them were Marvel. And it was it was Adam West Batman. It was Superboy uh, reruns of The Flash and USA Swamp Thing. And I just had a tape where. Uh, it'd be one episode of each in a row. It's just, it's very strange to think of me watching that. And I was so excited for Swamp Thing because I love the movie. The movie about one of the best things that ever happened to Swamp Thing up until the, the new reboot, which is fucking excellent, dude. And this, not so much. Uh, again, Wes Craven remembered reading a comic book when he was younger. 
a 12 issue series and then made a 1982 movie about it. DC's like, hey, maybe we should make more comics if Wes Craven's making a movie out of it and brought Swamp Thing back with a little help from a young comics artist named Alan Moore, <laughs> who, wow. uh, who uh, kind of elevated the material. And it, it's, I think it's been running in some format ever since uh, Swamp Thing comic. But not a huge character until Wes Craven's movie has a lackluster sequel with Heather Locklear in 1989. And then USA decides to mount a show, I think, thanks in part to Universal Studios Florida. Uh, they not only had yeah. legitimate studio access, uh, they could film in places that look like swamps. Did, 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 you, <laughs> did, you, did you see or hear about the recent Swamp Thing sh- series that I think is Mm-mm. coming back to uh-uh. CW or... It's excellent. Uh, it, Justin Lin, I think, helped make it. It's, it's, Whoa. or was it James Wan? I forget. Uh, but it's, I always get them confused. Yeah, yeah, I'm racist. Um, but it, it's, <laughs> it was fucking beautiful. And it's mostly because it's shot in real locations. And it was canceled before the second episode aired because, like, it's incredibly hard to shoot at night in a swamp because mm. of the, the, the requirement of light and electricity. But uh, this this got over that problem with incredibly cheap suits and the same the same actor Dick Durrock uh, reprising his role as Swamp Thing from the movie that mm-hmm. didn't always happen. The movie version guy very rarely went to the TV series, but for a little kid like me with not a lot of adaptations of his favorite comics, it was bizarre that Swamp Thing was the thing that stood up for three seasons, whereas none of the other DC stuff did. But I was I was delighted. Uh, eventually led okay. to an animated uh, animated thing, but like Swamp Thing, I've always had a huge soft spot for, and I encourage you to track track down some of the early comics and watch the first movie and the new the new DC series is so great. It's just pure horror with kind of like uh, yeah, it's an R rating. It's a full R rating, and oh. it's it's disgusting. <laughs> and I think that was the <laughs> thing that it, that the you it's the USA series is like it's so cheap and cheesy. It, it's just it's even hard to make fun of. I tried mm-hmm. to find like a crazy clip from the show. I'm like, no, this is just kind of boring. And uh, you can visit the set when you're at Universal Studios Florida by riding the Men in Black ride. That is, <laughs> is on the Swamp Thing <laughs> set. Uh, video games. Again, we go in-depth about the video games with the, the guys from Video Game Apocalypse, hopefully a special guest this month, uh, to talk about Moonwalker Arcade Edition, the Michael Jackson game. You could put your hand, your kids could put their hands on in arcades. Uh, I believe that's... <laughs> In the game, in the game, uh, you could call upon Bubbles, your magic chimp, to help you out, and your goal was to find children and touch them, and then they disappear. Uh, (laughs) I'm not kidding. Stop it! You're lying. Not no. The arcade version, no. That's absolutely what you did. But he was just—it was carrying over the plot of the film, where he's rescuing children, and they can't follow behind him for the rest of the level. They have to disappear. He has a really. Really great publicity team. Um, and the Magic Sword Heroic Fantasy is also out, a Capcom game. And speaking of commercials you should not look up, uh, Dr. Mario is out to, uh, oh, on three platforms. I remember these goddamn commercials. Ooh. Yeah, uh, with a Witch Doctor tune. One of the last, I think, legitimate products marketed uh, with a African tribesman with a bone through his nose. I don't really know why. This is a Mario game. You really didn't have to do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and and I, it could just be a doctor. Yeah, just put Mario. But in of it. course, everyone, nobody knows he actually just got his PhD in international relations. So. Whatever. It was. It, it <laughs> you was don't want honor. him to do any like surgery. Yeah, his PhD in like greenskeeping. It was. <laughs> it, we all know it was honorary. And uh, mm-hmm. but it's Doctor Mario is a 
one of my favorite puzzle games of all time. I might like it more than Tetris. I, if you've ever heard of the Tetris effect where you hallucinate and see Tetris yes. blocks after you're done playing, I never had that mm-hmm. with Tetris despite playing a ton of it. I, I had that to the point where I couldn't sleep with Dr. Mario. I, I had Dr. that Mario. with Dr. Mario, and I never even played it. I just watched my ex and his friends play it. Yeah, we were, we were having battles <laughs> up until semi-recently. Uh, like me and um, Lamont, who you've heard on the Laser Time yeah. show, she is, fucking, she is no slouch with uh, Dr. Mario. Let's jump in. Let's close out in 1990 with a little look at the music. She Ain't Worth It by Glenn Medeiros. Medeiros. Medeiros is still number one. It's hard if you're dumb. Uh, (laughs) Most things are. Yeah. The whole life is hard. I'm I'm squinting at words I can definitely read, but why do I hear it in this order? New release is Band in the USA by Two Live Crew. What a fucking marketing gimmick because they were not wrong. Uh, we've <laughs> talked about them a lot in previous episodes. Cowboys from Hell by Pantera. Man, that's a big week for huge albums. Uh, Good Night LA by Magnum. And In the Heart of the Young by Winger. So we're going to close out. We're going to take it out of 1990 with Band in the USA by Two Live Crew. But stay right there because there's a lot to talk about in the year 2000. Freedom of speech will never die. For us to have our ancestors died. Don't keep thinking that we will quit. We'll always stand and never sit. We're too live, too black, too strong. Doing the right thing and not the wrong. So listen up, y'all, to what we say. We won't be banned in the USA. Would you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the Laser Time crew? Then we strongly encourage you to support this show on patreon.com slash laser time. It supports not only this show, but all the rest of the Laser Time network. You'll get commentaries, play games with the hosts, see exclusive videos first, and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time. Speaking of which, here's a quick taste. A mutual friend of mine from high school, she, she did a post the other day, and she's very religious, and it was some from some pastor, and he's like, remember... Uh, the under the unreligious rule of Gavin Newsom, uh, the devil seeks to seeks to get in, and 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 he, you know, very slowly, it's gradually, it's this tyranny. And I just responded, I'm like, hey, this, if you're referencing wearing masks and staying indoors, this has nothing to do with the devil. This is a, this is an infectious disease. What's wrong with you? Her response, and this is one of my, I fucking can't stand this. Just, I'm not here to debate you. You could have an opinion about masks and staying indoors. I have my opinion, and I responded, I'm like. There's no opinion with mine. It's science and fact. Problem. Yeah, because my opinion is is that your devil is stupid, and if your god can't defeat him, there's no point in worshiping him. Well, then, then <laughs> this is the thing. Though. So I commented on her post. So you know, Facebook algorithm. How's the it, devil attacking us? Tyranny through well, what? I, I said cloth mass. You know, you know uh, how the devil also attacks you is like you thinking that you're being you're exercising your freedoms and your religion, and actually you're hurting people. That's how the devil would actually do shit. He would hurt people. I thought about temptation, selfishness, and false prophets. That's that's typically how we hear about the devil coming through. (laughs) Get Bonus Time, a weekly uncensored and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just $5 on Patreon.com slash LazerTime. Welcome to the year 2000, July 24th to the 30th. It's going to be me by NSYNC is number one. But you already knew that. You recognize the song. 
Uh, we also have new releases this week from In Flames. They got Clayman coming out, Covenant by UFO, uh, The Greyest of Blue Skies by Finger Eleven, Horoscope by Eve Six, Outbind by Bella Fleck and the Flecktones, and Who Let the Dogs Out by Baja Men is out this week. Yep. Oh Happy anniversary to maybe the most annoying song since the Macarena. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I know. I was just I was just watching a <sighs> clip of remember Flight of the Concords and Murray was briefly managing the Potty Dogs. <laughs> I always assume that's that this is what song they were promoting. And at some point, Dave Dave Rudden has to let me film the Rudden family tradition of dancing to this at weddings. Oh wow! I'm, I'm not kidding. I, I was I have not been to a wedding th- that agape. Like, oh my god, this is like every, this is mul- multiple generations are in on this. Oh my god! Uh, not even sure if I should have said that. I'll ask him first. Welcome to 2000, everyone. Whether you're with listening in sync or getting the dogs out, you know where you were. We don't have anybody under twenty listening to this, do we? That's impossible. Um, but a little bit of news to bring you into the year two thousand. The Concorde crashes on takeoff at Charles de Gaulle, uh, hitting a hotel. What? Hundred and nine yeah. on board killed, plus four in the hotel. I don't remember this at all. I do. Oh, that was yeah. scary. Crashes yeah, on takeoff. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's usually when things crash actually yeah. i thought it was i thought it was on landing and even then like yeah. you shouldn't there shouldn't be enough oh yeah there shouldn't be enough runway to hit a fucking hotel but i guess if they were taking off you know, give her in, in the concord give or take a couple dozen miles that's yep. awful and this definitely added to retiring the concord uh-huh. in 2003 uh so yeah the the concord is was a thing that was around from uh really 76 to 2003 and it's this really cool looking jet that can do uh, Mach 2. Right. And so you you can go from New York to Paris in like half the time. Yes. And it's super expensive and it's super fancy and it was really neat. But it was also super expensive, incredibly loud, mm-hmm. really, really wasteful. And just is like, no, why don't we just have bigger giant Airbus flights instead of this, you know, tiny little fancy jet mm-hmm. that... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when we got to deal with the fallout of uh, killing all those fucking people. God. Yeah. Do they know that what was... happened? Like, what was the malfunction? Something had fallen off an earlier flight using that runway and uh. hit the tire. Oh, crap. While Jesus. it was heading to take the off. Head- and then hitting the tire mock- exploded. <laughs> wow. Yeah, as it's speeding up to take off, uh, tire exploded and a piece of rubber then hit the fuel tank. And hmm. that did it. Yep. And uh, here's a little bit of irony. Uh, Disney, the company, is publicly warning that an AOL Time Warner merger would severely limit entertainment programming and urges uh, <laughs> FCC to have more tough restrictions be placed on the deal. It would That give... is rich. Disney really? complains, it'll give them too much power. Oh, oh they're going to own everything. All of the entertainment will be in the hands of one or two companies. Oh, Disney. Mm-hmm. Um Yes. Go buy something else, you bastards. Yeah. They just bought Irony and it's streaming exclusively on Disney Plus this month. <laughs> and uh, also in entertainment news, and like I, I just just this is this is the beginning of the end of entertainment, the full decimation of entertainment. And that would be Napster, and yep. and people didn't really know how to deal with it because by the by the time it it it, it got to the ears of people who could do something about it. They didn't, so they're doing what with the computers now? Do you remember how long the like in public on TV 
our elected officials pretended to be ignorant about the internet with great delight on their faces. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, it, like mm-hmm. they, so finally it gets through to them like, oh, one of our biggest American businesses is practically cratering and their entire intellectual property is being stolen. They gave they gave Napster a shutdown at midnight tonight if you do not disable whatever tools you have that allows users to share access to one another's hard drives and these MP3s. And that's pretty much all Napster was doing. Um, mm. It wasn't too long where there was hacked versions of it where you could share anything on your hard drive. But right now it's just a particular folder and just MP3s. But like... We weren't even thinking about that then. It was just free music. And it's part of the reason I don't feel bad for music because I remember like, yeah, I remember saving up all my allowance to buy a fucking CD for $18.99 25 Mm. years ago. Mm -hmm. Why were you charging me so much? Uh, I wouldn't have been that excited to steal from you, but it was. It turned out to be really easy. But like, I forget how it went down. But like, it was a last minute reprieve, and we got to use Napster for a few more months. <laughs> it was no. crazy. And like, I, I just, I never thought about it. Like, how did Napster make money? I don't even think they sold the pro version. You just download did it. They? I don't remember there being any ads. No, it, I don't remember. No. Right. I, like, how? I don't know how they made money at all. Um, but, uh, but what would they even do if they shut down that feature of Napster? Who knows? But it's, uh, stealing one out and we were all saved. And Dennis Miller made his debut on Monday Night Football covering oh, the NFL. That's like Noam Chomsky commenting the Westminster Dog Show touchy. So I spent, <laughs> I spent too long trying to find exactly that. <laughs> from yeah, him. Let's comment on how great my impression was first It of was all. beautiful, babe. That was a really good simile because that's that's his thing. Yeah, really yeah. obscure similes. Yeah, and I was I was and I I I'm going to read some in a second. But as hard as it is to find restricted NFL footage, I managed to find some footage of Dennis Miller commentating on football, and <laughs> you can sort of see why it wasn't a good match. Yes, there are the arcane references, but like to Dennis Miller's credit, he's clearly writing a lot of these beforehand and when he's not he's like whoa that was quite a thing wow like he just doesn't really have running yeah he doesn't have a lot to add he doesn't and he doesn't understand the utilitarian purpose of the people speaking on those mics which is kind of like shut up when the referee starts talking but he (laughs) because i gotta set up to this punchline i'm gonna have to recite (laughs) these players names before i come up with a pun based on 18th century literature but and and but like here's a little bit of him in the beginning i don't get any of this but he clearly did his research the right answer. I was out at the Packer Museum today, and you know, as I was walking through Chuck Mercine Hall, I was musing about the elaborate nature of the place, and maybe I should take the 35-minute underground tram ride out to Zietbrechtowski world. Yeah, maybe I should. But the most interesting thing about the Packers is it's a publicly traded company. I was just over in the owner's uh, skybox, and all 110,812 owners had coincidentally shown up today. They were having a hell of a fight over that last trim. A mutter in Green Bay. It's every boy's dream, huh? That ended with a puppet. It really did. <laughs> it, ended, oh my God. it ended with a puppet. Uh, I am making the universal jack-off motion during all of that. <laughs> <laughs> that is oh. a delight. <laughs> and what's even more I, more delightful, I liked it. if you want to take the time, ESPN reviewed Dennis Miller's quips for every episode he commentated mm-hmm. on. What? And it's yep. like, yeah, like what they annotated them. What does they would this explain mean? them to you? I uh, love that. I'm re- re- reading what these are 
recitations. These are actual Dennis Miller quotes. We're all having a sleepover jammy party at Fuzzy Thurston's up on the tundra. What the fuck was any of that? Is that something <laughs> football fans get? Uh, the seminal piece of information there is that they're both seminals. I thought Sarah might like that. Oh, thank That's you. Appreciate that. Um, it's where we both graduated. And this one I liked most of all. That hit was later than Godot. <laughs> Stop it. That's that's an S, yes. That, that, that is, is not real. I don't believe that. That is a comment on uh, Rams rookie defensive tackle Ryan Pickett's personal foul on Miami <laughs> quarterback Mike Quinn. I'm not kidding. ESPN has this all written down with broken images of plenty uh, oh somewhere di- buried deep on their Disney website. That is amazing. Yeah, yeah I, I literally I never watched any of them. I would just read the annotations the next day. Oh, you would? Just because, yeah, it's just like, let's see how random these references get. Hmm. And are there any that I didn't that I don't get just reading it and I have to actually read the annotation. Uh this was back when Dennis Miller was good at stuff. Yeah. 9/11 broke his brain and he was still really funny at this point. This is a weird idea to have a comedian mm-hmm. you know work play by play but yeah. it was worth a shot. Especially this comedian. Yeah, cuz he's not think, really yeah. known to be like a man of the people. They said that yeah the play mm-hmm. was to get an every man in the booth and I but you remember, you have to remember, Dennis Miller, he had just like hosted the MTV Music Awards. He was mm-hmm. 45 years old and hip with the young kids. It, yeah. It's he bizarre he had a to think show about. show that was only on HBO. Yeah. I love that so, show. Like, he's not very accessible. I love that show as a kid. Yeah, me too. I yeah. loved it. But yeah, yeah, that show was fun back when, you know, he was making fun of all sides, both sides, mm-hmm. whatever. And he. It, Everyone's foibles are coming up, and then nine eleven fucking broke his brain. And next thing mm-hmm. you know, he's warming up crowds for W, which would have embarrassed himself ten years before, and mm-hmm. got super partisan. And it's weird. I, I, I kind of can't wait until we get to like two thousand two, two thousand three, where he does a couple stand up specials where he's he's moving off in that direction where it's like he's still funny, even though he's making fun of things that I don't think should be made fun of, mm-hmm. or. I don't agree with his position, but he's still funny. And there is a point where it's not that I disagree with him. He has full on stopped being funny. Yeah. What happened? It just drops Why? off. Yeah. I think yeah. it's, it's that, it's that cleverness over funny thing. And, and like, yes, that was a well-constructed joke if I have time to think about it, but like it produces yeah. nothing out of me. Cause it's it, clapter. It's not funny. Mm. It's just a joke that you clap to. Uh, he he would say the joke that was his free bird that he bought a Craftmatic adjustable bed so he can blow himself and then followed it with that joke is my free bird. And he's right because that joke is <laughs> the most well-constructed joke ever. And and uh, I would do encourage people to see that the, re- the White Album is a really good uh, Dennis Miller performance. And it's I was it's not in a used I was in a used bookstore the other day and saw on there like a book of his rants. That I, people would mm-hmm. buy, like they put a from his HBO show. My last, and I remember that being my favorite thing, yep. like to watch. My last overdue public library fee was for Dennis Miller's Rants Three or some shit. Wow. Uh, <sighs> yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know if we'll have another chance to talk about Dennis Miller. I think his show's I over. Mean, and that's then he, a fun. He doesn't launch his radio show till George W. Bush is elected. And remember, he launched his he launched his political radio show announcing. And I'm telling you this, people, no George W. Bush talk on this. And like we. We don't get to bring up the president the on president. your political okay. talk show. The current president. The current president? The current president. We don't get to bring up the current president. Why? He's a little embarrassing. Like, we know. That's why we want to talk about him. Uh, 
Yeah, uh, nowhere near as bad as right now, but uh, interesting. Uh, yeah, I've seen, you know, he's one of these guys, it's like, stand-up comics on Twitter, it's like those things just go hand-in-hand. Hand. Mm-hmm. You know, it's perfect. It's a perfect place to just tell quick jokes. And I scrolled through a while ago, and I was like, holy shit. These are all attempts at jokes. Mm-hmm. Where is the punchline? Yeah. yeah. I Where? Think he's a very written kind of comedian. It's very mm-hmm. hard to do his... Yeah, whatever. Okay, getting into the movies of 2000. July 24th through the 30th. A movie none what? of us saw. <laughs> what a trio of movies we have to yeah. talk about. Wow. Something for everybody except me. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> look at this cast. Michael Lee Rogers, Cody McCain, Russell Means, Laura Wilson, Alec Baldwin, Diddy Con, Peter Fonda, and Thomas and the Magic Railroad. Now. It's Thomas. What? Get ready for the ultimate family adventure. Whoa. I've got to find more gold dust. I'm going to help you. Thomas and the Magic Railroad. Rated G. Now playing. Oh, I, that, I wonder if that, that was recorded off of television, but I think that's kind of suggests how how far this has fallen from the it, this is directed by the woman who created thomas well it sounds like they oh. hipped it up a little bit they uh, i think I don't oh, like. yeah, there's a there's a, a new version of do the locomotion by some lady group i've never heard of that yes. you can buy now uh we now. we, we uh, on that episode of laser time where you dig into lost media there's an entire lost thomas the tank engine movie out there and i believe there's a lost cut of this film as well that they yep. completely scrapped because it was too sinister. <laughs> oh. And like, why Why not release it now? What else are you going to do with it? True. Put it yeah, out everything a... else is being released. Tenet. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Uh, I've seen some people complain, like, this was an Americanization of Thomas the Tank Engine. It's like, well, we already done that with Shining Time Station, right? Mm-hmm. Didn't we yeah. just take the Thomas the Tank Engine stuff and put people in it? I, um, I remember thinking, yeah. um, you got Alec uh, Baldwin. I'm sure kids, I'm sure kids like, yeah, you, you have American Indian movement activist Russell Means in this thing? <laughs> How did this happen? Is getting Alec Baldwin to stand in for uh, conductor George Carlin a step down or a step up? I can't or decide. Or Ringo Starr. A Ringo Starr? But George Carlin, come yeah. on. Um, yeah, I don't like how hip this sounds because that's the whole point of Thomas the Magic, Thomas the tank engine that is deeply unhit and also kind of sinister <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to go off on it too much but like unsettling yeah. and boring when i watch that barney movie i'm like this is fucking excruciating this there should not be multiple cameras set up around this no one should be lighting this like it, <laughs> these kid shows are like super basic puppet shows with limited animation this is surreal and bizarre and feels like a bad dream so I didn't get the chance to watch this. I did watch Follow That Bird once I stole my parents' HBO Max subscription. That's on there. Uh, but uh, I'm not going to watch Thomas the Magic Railroad. Not when uh, Willem Dafoe, Edward Furlong, Danny Trejo, Tom Arnold, and Mickey Rourke's Animal Factory is out this week. Haven't been here long, have you? Next thing you know, drop your drawers or he'll throw you to the game. I'm not going to let that happen. <laughs> Little I've seen tells me you're neither stupid nor weak. I don't remember anything about this. <laughs> I know I saw it. It basically didn't get released, mm-hmm. like at all. Uh, it might have gone straight to video somewhere, but it's really interesting. Uh, it's the second film directed by C. Buscemi, mm-hmm. my dog. Right. That's um, why, that's why I bought Sight Unseen. Uh, I have a like a blockbuster previously viewed 
Warner Brothers Snapcase DVD of this in my house to this day. Ah, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, after Tree's Lounge, which is also really good. Amazing. Uh, he A couple of years later, he makes this. It's based on the novel by Eddie Bunker, who is also in the movie, and is Mr. Blue in Reservoir Dogs, who has like one line. Mm-hmm. That's where they met, apparently. And it's based on his experience in San Quentin. And sure. it's... I mean, it's dark and it's scary because, duh, we're in freaking San Quentin. Um, I some of the big surprise is Tom Arnold is plays a heavy and he's really good. Oh. Wow. Tom Arnold, he is when he's good. He's really good. I feel like mm-hmm. when he's yeah. bad, he's dreadful. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> expected from like Willem Dafoe and Danny Trejo and Edward Furlong. I find him less annoying here than mm-hmm. I do in like Terminator Two. Mickey Rourke is. Um, Fucking mess. I don't know how I, <laughs> I, I don't know how I would describe the character. Um, maybe the world's largest trans woman in a man's prison. Hmm. Okay. No, because uh, I'm gonna go with that. He identifies as a she because she's wearing a lot of makeup, and okay. um, it's different. Yeah, it's at uh, constant threats of sexual violence. Not surprising because it's about prison, but it got like no release and like no one saw it and. It's it's good. It's mm. really well made. Buscemi is a really good director. He really is. Directed Pine Barrens. We talked about that. Uh, one of the best episodes mm-hmm. of Sopranos, yeah. if not the best. Although, mm-hmm. uh, like I was yeah. looking so, at clips I mean, of it. It's, it's a gritty ass prison movie. If for some reason you want to watch a gritty ass prison movie, um, I find them very depressing, especially yeah. now. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it was Steve Buscemi's involvement. I had written down it like this looks like the wake up Ron Burgundy of con air if you just <laughs> assemble the whole movie at a deleted scenes of con air ah. uh, you'd have this uh but that's that's without having watched it in full yeah but, uh, no animal factory that's that's definitely animal recommend factory. if you're, you're into uh gritty prison movies and yeah oof. i don't know what the hell happened with distribution where no one got to see it but well probably because of what it decided to go up against uh <laughs> kind of sullying the memory of a kind of a beautiful remake and a great Eddie Murphy moment too mm. much uh too much uh John Ailes, uh, Larry Miller, Janet Jackson, I think one of her biggest screen roles since Poetic Justice and Eddie Murphy 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 and Eddie, Eddie Professor 2 The Clumps they wouldn't have Professor Sherman Klump. Ah, Professor Klump. All right, everybody, Sherman, you ready to come on TV now? Oh, look how dashing it looks. It looks just like Billy D. We got good genes in our family. Billy D, Billy D, Billy D. Oh, Billy D Klump. But with every great advance... I'd like, like to present to you all of the Wellman College Youth Formula. Well, maybe I need to take some of that. It don't kill ugly. Well, well I'd like to throw some hot grease on you. <laughs> it's, still make, it's, it's still hard to hate. I watched this a ton. Really? Okay. I was going to say, I've taken a lot of movie-shaped bullets on this show to watch things that I don't think people will watch. I'm not going to watch this one. Uh, well, I mean, like, all the criticism is correct on this film. 26% on mm-hmm. Rotten Tomatoes. But it's also like, dude, no one else could do this but Eddie Murphy. And it's it's still kind of fun. And it's it's one of the grossest comedies yeah. like, out in theaters. There is just a lot of... Fart and poop and whiz joke. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's that's sort of my problem is that it's like it's it's aimed so low comedy wise. And I mean, the, the plot is, of course, the plot is is kind of gibberish. That's fine. Mm-hmm. It's just supposed to be an excuse for, you know, all the all these characters in this family who, you know, were so funny. 
And then it's just fart jokes after know, but fart it's, jokes. It's, it's to take a 10-minute highlight from the original Nutty Professor, or the, sorry, the remake of the first Eddie Murphy Nutty Professor, and then turn, and like really draw that out into a bigger movie. And it does get kind of exhausting. Like It really makes yeah. you, like the sparing moments the clump family is used in the first Nutty Professor, it really makes you appreciate that more because there's way too much time focused on these people. And, and, and some of your brother doesn't have that much of a personality. He's just bald. <laughs> just a fat Eddie Murphy with facial hair. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, like, but that's the thing. If this movie hadn't come out, I wondered if we, you know, still be talking about Nutty Professor. That's a pretty solid comedy. The, the yeah. original. God, the remake. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, it's both. A, Look, both. Yes. Both the original and the Eddie Murphy remake. Mm-hmm. They're both solid. But, yeah. And this one is just like, hey, you remember that thing that you liked in a very small dose? <laughs> well, here's an overdose of it. I I hope your breath breath I hope your airway is okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, just but just when you look at it, like you know how much Eddie Murphy had to suffer to just to, to try and make mm. this bad sequel a little bit funnier, and it looks like God. Like, has he come out and like complained about this experience yet? It had to have been awful to be in this yeah. much makeup and this many takes and this many sequences. Fuck me. Yeah. Because well, there's a lot, there's a surprising amount of special effects shots in these films, especially this one. Oh, anyway, I, I like I don't have anything super articulate to say about it. I didn't bother to give it a rewatch. The thing I it was it's a, another instance. If I hadn't mentioned that before, think about the Roaring Two Thousands. I didn't see it in theaters, but I bought the uncensored, unrated DVD, mm-hmm. and then I'd like see it on cable. Like there's like a whole there's like three minutes missing here. I'm not watching this. I'm like more familiar with the unofficial movie that like it it hurts to watch the official one, so I just don't. Uh, I don't know. Like you never had that experience where you buy the uh, the unrated DVD. Uh, the, it, it didn't make a ton of difference in a lot of films, but I know like you know Anchorman and American Pie they have like significantly oh, yeah. different cuts depending on what you're watching. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do feel like this movie is pretty synonymous with the 2000s early 2000s yes. like i feel like it does come up a lot it just has the feel of it that's why it's a giant um, joke in tropic thunder right yeah <laughs> and that's and, really all i could say about that and uh fantastic moving into television 2000 i'm doing my best to reach <laughs> uh kathy lee gifford leaves live with regis and kathy lee after 17 years and wow. i look at that and like that's it to spend more time with her family or wine depending on what you think of her now oh. Keep an eye on her husband, I think, probably. Yeah, keep an eye on Frank. Was he was, was he cheaty? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And maybe her sweatshops, too. That's true. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, like, Kathy Lee, for being such a punchline during the late 90s, I feel like, uh, is also one of those people who I don't think gets enough credit. And she's kind of, like, just made a second life for herself that's almost, I think, more popular and successful than her original i think i think it's really interesting someone like her who's like kind of been through the ringer and like what yeah i don't care like what more a what more can you do to me b i don't care anymore and she just drinks wine and has fun on network television and is like is a friend of me to her friend (laughs) drinks wine and gets mean (laughs) i'm here for it yeah, I don't know why I yeah I couldn't stand her back then because it was just giggling and talking about her kids and it was just like oh spare me and it's like I don't, yeah she's turned into a wine mom and suddenly I'm like eh, turns out she's okay she's just yeah. like loosened up and just, we all aspire to be wine moms come on of yeah. course mm-hmm. I just want a shirt that says live love laugh yes I want to put yeah. on yoga pants and a visor and put my hair in a ponytail 
and just drink yeah. wine all morning. You just you have to be careful because wine moms become Karens very easily. Oh, true. Well, true. Yeah, very don't true. You, if you go to the dark side of wine mom, you become Karen. Oh, mm. do yourself a favor and look up that YouTube video this week of Karen's Gone Wild. It is a delight. <laughs> it, it is a delight. Uh, I do have to say that I mean, like Kathy Lee and Regis live with Regis and Kathy Lee was a huge institution, like for a really long time. And the <laughs> fact that it survived the new incarnation with Regis and Kelly and continued and became prop- maybe even more popular is pretty amazing. It still survived. I did the yeah. research accidentally last week, so I forgot. It yeah. existed before Regis, I think. The only thing that stayed is the name Live, because <laughs> it became like Live with Regis and Kelly, and then Kelly and Michael Strahan, and then they both yeah. quit, and then it's now Ryan Seacrest is involved. So it's just yeah. like Live, that's the brand. The brand is Live exclamation point, and it's, <laughs> it's, it's older than any of us, and I have never in my life seen a frame of it. I have no idea. Other than the, so- Andy Richter shitting on Jay Leno. I, I watch that clip a lot. I went through a weird phase where I would TiVo episodes of Live with Regis and Kelly, and I found it to be pretty delightful. Like, they actually had really good chemistry. They're pretty funny and pretty good at interviewing people. And I don't know, just like, there's definitely something there. There's a reason they went on as a duo for so long. And I can't speak (laughs) to Regis and Kathy Lee. I'm sure they had some chemistry, too, but... Yeah, it's I, it was a I do fine want, show. I do want to go back because I would, I would I remember the parodies and but I what I also remember a man I do listen to is David Letterman. They're like, uh, if Jay Leno leaves the Tonight Show, who who should you get to replace him? He's like, ah, you're trying to trick me. Uh, who do I think for real? Straight facedly, Regis Philbin, and everyone's like, ha ha ha. And he's like, I'm not kidding. Like yeah, Regis Re, Regis Philbin is one of like the greatest hosts of any kind. And when you think about it, they're putting. He's on the air with like a bubbly, loud <laughs> new mom who's like thirty years his junior, and they made it work for almost two decades. Yeah. It's it's almost like a pleasant train wreck. Like yeah. what a silly thing to put on the air. Well, Regis has been around for a really long time. Like I don't yeah. know, I can't remember what he did before live, but I mean, like he's kind of been a show business guy forever. Yeah. Can you imagine the stories that guy has? Like yeah. he's full no. Of when Letterman said that, I started to pay more attention to him when he's like give, like interviewing with people and he's like yeah this is genuine like Johnny Carson charisma he's he's yes. correct it's 100%. not it's not always a, like a, a a audience flattening joke but like he can keep it going and yeah. uh, trust me it's hard we do a lot of ed- editing on our shows <laughs> yeah i mean i i i love regis he's really good with the timing he's great at mugging for the camera mm-hmm. and doing reaction shots and uh i i feel like these sh- that show specifically gets shat upon a lot and without good reason i think well it benefited from there not being anything else on for a long time (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean once the view got involved that gave Uh, it a little run for its money i guess which i've never seen a frame of the view so i don't know yeah speaking of benefiting from a lack of the internet visible fandom in uh in lieu of anything else baby blues debuts this week based on the long-running comic comic strip that's still Mm -hmm. running yeah, yeah, another comic strip TV show. Yes. But- I think we mentioned incredibly briefly back in January when it debuted in 1990. Oh, okay. And yes. now we're 10 years later and it's got a TV show. It's got a TV Ooh, show, is. which is bizarrely good given yeah. that, like the limitations of the comic strip. I mean, I was looking more into the, the boondocks recently because that's also an H- HBO Max is the episode Cartoon Network band. Oh, and- 
Uh, yeah, except for one. Return but of the King? N- no. Um, oh. Uh, they're missing one of them. I forget which one. But man, Anne Magruder hates BET. But it, but like I love the Boondocks <laughs> comic strip. But it was like it was interesting to see how like they had to grow the cast very very fast mm. to mm. make it into a television show. And I I didn't I didn't it I was buying the collections because it wasn't in my town. Uh, I I just didn't I wasn't up on the day to day basis of the comic strip and this. This show has like half its cast is like completely created anew for mm-hmm. the show. If you remember, uh, it, w- it ran on WB a short, it had, and then I think like dumped like twenty episodes. Like, ah, this isn't working. Like, I just can't imagine spending animation's like a million dollars an episode. Like, this is yeah. eh, fuck it. Only four million people a week are watching it, and they eventually showed up where I saw it on Adult Swim when Adult Swim started. All they really had to go on was like failed one to two season shows from CW and WB. Like literally, it was it was fucking what was it? Mission Hill, Oblongs, uh, Baby Blues, and something and home movies. movies. Yep, and that, it, it buoyed with reruns of Futurama and uh, Family Guy. But that's where I saw this a lot. It begins with bare naked ladies. It's all been done. That's crazy to me that. It was at that time big enough to get a bare naked ladies already existing the- like song for their theme. Right, like, they paid for the song. It's not like Big Bang Theory where the bare naked ladies made up a song for them. Like no. this is they just picked a song off of stunt. Like that's <laughs> crazy. I, a I, song that I really like actually. I really liked the comic strip as a kid, and um, the show is completely not bad. It's just odd to think. Think of instead of doing like the Garfield thing, they were doing a Simpsons thing and like had to introduce swearing and sex into the show <laughs> for a thing that's been been around for ten years in yeah. comic strips. And I I just I did like the casting of uh, Mike O'Malley and Julia Sweeney as the yeah. the main couple. I thought it was and, it's and a great cast. The Joel Murray's in there too. Yeah, I thought, I, I mm-hmm. like the voices on the show, and it's worth checking out. And thankfully, no one's protecting it, so it's on YouTube for free. Uh, video games. Got to rattle these off real quick. We will go more in depth. Patreon.com slash laser time. Carmageddon 64, NCAA Football 2001, King of Fighters 2000. It's a year behind, according to NCAA Football. 18 Wheeler American Pro Trucker. Yes, we did it. It's here. <laughs> it is here. Digimon World 2 in Japan, almost a year later in the US. Strider 2, a game I very much like, came out on PS1. And the weirdest fucking racing game I've ever seen when all the licenses are tied up. What else can you do? Spirit of Speed, 1937. A glorified soapbox racer for the Dreamcast. What? A very old-timey racing game. Yeah, it's it looks... When you look at the cover, like, why did you do... Why would you even make this? Who is this for? But I think, like, if you're a car nut, it's a where a lot of F1... It's where F1 got its start. You're basically mm-hmm. playing an F1 prequel um, for the Dreamcast. We have, uh, I just want... I want a racing game that is all cars by car companies that don't exist anymore yes, so too. it's like i want a nash rambler <laughs> versus like a metropolitan versus like a willie 77 i want to i want a, a tucker a man and his dream both models and yeah. <laughs> assuming that's what they are <laughs> um and people we have to do this we're gonna leave 2000 with a little baja men who let the dogs out <laughs> so, we're required we can't help oh. ourselves but when we get back, people, get ready for that sweet, sweet 2010. Don't go anywhere. Until the fellas start the name calling. And the girls respond to the call. I have a pull my shot on. Who let the dogs out? Who let the dogs out? Who let the dogs out?
Do you like video game apocalypse in 30 2010? Well, the LaserTime Patreon has figured out a way to combine the two. Over at patreon.com slash lasertime, we've taken a month's worth of 302010's games from 30, 20, and 10 years ago and grabbed the hosts, Michael Raparez and Matthew Allen from Bidja Game Apocalypse. And with our combined three decades plus in the games industry, we found a great way to take a deep dive into the biggest gaming anniversaries of the month. Here's a recent sample. And I really want to talk about this, Comba Tribes, because in a weird yes. way, Comba Tribes sort of taught me how to read. I remember being very young in a summer camp, and we were at a bowling alley for a week. No one could really figure out what to call this game, and you know, without an internet or a caring adult, Comba Tribes, com- Coma Tribes, com- <laughs> Yeah, it was it was difficult. We all had different, and I've never, and only until recording podcasts have I heard anybody. Uh, Combat tribes makes the most sense. What doesn't make sense is that this is a beat 'em up from Technos, the Double Dragon people, who yes. built us the beat 'em up. And this game has no jump. It has a dash yeah. knee move like Double Dragon. I just played this, obviously, but I I loved it. I love beat 'em ups, and this one is bloody and brutal. You can kick and punch people when they're down. You can slam clown's head into the pavement until blood splatters everywhere. I fucking love this game. And I, I will never forget like the ad campaign for it, which was like this comic book ad in EGM with like the main villain, Martha Splatterhead, who's like a hot blonde in a tight dress. It's like, oh, I'm, my gangs will take over the city. And like, not if the combat tribes, Berserker, Bulova, and Blitz can stop you. Yeah. And she's like, oh, come on, Blitz, you wouldn't hit a lady, would you? And then like the last frame is just this muscle man standing over a woman that he's just punched out, screaming, cyborgs ain't ladies. <laughs> So, in addition to weekly bonus shows, over 100 movie commentaries, exclusive specials, you can get the 30 2010 Video Games Edition, celebrating a month of important gaming milestones every single month at patreon.com slash lasertime in exchange for just five bucks. And you'll support all of the Lasertime shows, including Video Game Apocalypse, right guys? Yay! Mr. Mrs. Internet and all the ships at sea, it's time for Diana's Classic Corner. We look even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching. And for the week of July 24th through 30th, I'm trying to decide what order to put these into. Uh, I guess I'll start with the most recent one. Uh, 40 years ago this week, July 25th, 1980, continuing the amazing comedies of the summer of 1980. We've had Blues Brothers, Airplane, and now Caddyshack. Yay! Cue that song again, and then the gopher dances to it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what what to say. This is like a beloved... It's not even a cult film. It's just sort of a beloved film, because it's got a ton of talented people in it, and it's uh, crazy wacky. And more than even watching it, just go read stories about the making of it, because everyone was, like, high and partying all the time, and it was... uh, It sounds like it was more fun to make than it even is to watch. And it's pretty fun to watch. So, uh, but, like, I feel dumb recommending something that seems, like, even more obvious than Airplane. So, let's move to 75 years ago this week, something not fun at all. Uh, July 30th, 1945, saw the sinking of the USS Indianapolis. Um, 
So go watch Jaws, and they'll tell you all about it in an amazing scene that is pretty much one take, and Robert Shaw doesn't really blink the whole time. And it just, if you haven't watched Jaws, usually I don't shame people for not having watched a classic movie, because mostly I just feel bad that you've, like, denied yourself this pleasure. But if you haven't watched Jaws, I feel like maybe you just don't like movies. Because it's perfect, kind of. It's just kind of perfect. And it has influenced just about every big movie you've seen since then. So go watch Jaws, and you'll hear about The Sinking of the Indianapolis. And uh, it's really bad. But, uh, yeah. Um, I don't know about that as a double feature. Caddyshack and Jaws? Yeah, fuck it, why not? Sounds fun. Yeah, it's a quality night in. And that's it for this week. Stay classic. Coming into 2010 with Billionaire by Travis McCoy featuring Bruno Mars. It is on the chart this week. Sorry for my pronunciation of Mars there. Getting a little punchy this deep into the show, this late at night, doing our wonderfully socially distanced podcast. Love the world that we're living in 10 years later. But in 2010, July 24th to the 30th, Billionaire by Travis McCoy featuring Bruno Mars. Hit the charts. Uh, we got new new music from Drew Hill. Yes. Uh, in Drew Pendant's day. <laughs> I am so proud of you for getting that. I, I saw, I looked ahead and I was like, there ain't no way this is coming out right. I can't, I think maybe Diana tried to like spell it out phonetically for me. Uh, no, that's how it is on the album cover. In, in Drew, Drew Pendant's day. In Drew, Drew is capitalized, day. so you get it. Uh, at the Edge of Time by Blind Guardian. Fuck yeah. And All Night Long by Buck Cherry. Yeah. Uh, California Girls by Katy Perry is still number one. Based on the news, let's assume everything was fine. Everything was fine. Despite <laughs> our much. country being run by the dread pirate Obama. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> Comparatively. No. no, America's great now. Didn't you hear? Unemployment. Like People it. are getting picked up and kidnapped in the streets. The economy sucks and everyone's dying. Great. I can't hug my mom, so I keep forgetting how great we are. Um... <laughs> Movies of 2010, 10 years ago, Inception is still number one of the box office, and if you heard that episode where we talk about it, you know I'm okay with that. Especially with this week's crop, uh, crop of offerings. The Extra Man, a movie, like, I always wonder, like, where is Kevin Klein? I know he's Mr. Fish Oder on Bob's Burgers, but I love Kevin Klein, and I feel like mm-hmm. I haven't seen him on screen in, like, a, in like 10 years. He was in The Extra yeah. Man with Paul Dano, Katie Holmes, and John C. Riley. Whenever yep. that happens, I always fear a some pros, plastic surgery has gone wrong. Oh, see, I I, mm. I, I always worry about that. I think because I thought I was reading an interview with an older celebrity, and they were like, "Jack, ah, Jack Nicholson, you know he's not well." I'm like, Oof, <laughs> I guess I should have guessed Jack Nicholson is not well right now. Because, mm. yeah, I looked at, no, I looked up his birthday, it. and like, yeah. you are you are like less than twenty years shy of being a century old, and <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's an old man. Yeah, so Extra Man is interesting in that, well, it's directed, it's written and directed by the folks who did American Splendor, oh, uh, Sherry Springer Bergman and, and Robert Pulcini. And like another movie we're going to be talking about, it, it focuses on bringing an interesting date to a social to a social event or dinner party, mm-hmm. which is kind of odd. But, you know, it's about, it's, uh, Kevin Klein is sort of this older dude who's, you know, nice. 
not really going together for him all that well. And he sort of takes Paul Dano as this sort of dork under his wing and teaches him like how how to escort older ladies to fancy social events and mm-hmm. like learn and grow and wacky characters. And it's another one that's like got okay reviews. Well, not great, but okay reviews, but it like didn't get released. Hmm. I don't know. I love Kevin Klein. I think I might do like a recent Kevin Klein movie marathon to just like, all right, let's catch up. What am I missing? Because mm. I love that dude. I, Orange yeah, County too. is the last, the most recent movie I can think of seeing him in. I re- oh, wow. I'm serious. Damn. Help me out. What am I missing? <laughs> What's the Kevin Klein movies I'm missing? Uh, man, and I almost yeah. had to watch this because uh, Home Homegirl has a really strong affection for the original, but I'm like, no, it's the sequel. Cats and Dogs, The Revenge of Kid Galore, starring Chris O'Donnell, Jack McBrayer, Bette Midler, Who Cares, Cats and Dogs, Living Together, Mass Hysteria. Welcome to Dog HQ. Three hours ago, we intercepted this transmission. I will enslave all mankind! You can't begin to imagine how dangerous she is. Our worst fears come true. We have no other choice. You can't tell from listening, but this is uh, mm-hmm. lots of CG dogs and cats, which mm. even I want to hate it, but then I look at it and I'm like, I could see you having fun watching this. Um, I just didn't. You're a tiny, tiny kid. I like, know. real yeah, tiny. I know, but like, there's a bunch of fun voices in there. There's more than I listed. Mm. Man, I barely remember this. Charlie St. Cloud, Man of Crew, Kim Basinger, oh, yeah. Zach Efron. Was this his big old serious turn for Zac Efron? Yeah, it's mm-hmm. what I think they would call in old timey times a weepy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a melodrama, but it's fine. I watched it the other day and I didn't hate it. And I'm sorry, I think Zach Afron's a pretty good little actor. Yeah, man. Yeah, I agree. Uh, every with every generation, like the the, the children actors get less <laughs> depressing and awful. And it's it's really difficult to complain about when these people stick around because like I don't know that dude always entertains and everything he's in and don't get me started on Robert Pattinson because we're talking about Charlie St. Cloud. Would you please have dinner with me tonight? You go cook. Excellent. You have to make a pizza. What? It's delicious. Charlie St. Cloud couldn't let go of his past. Every evening, I play catch with my dead brother. But on July 30th... You're sailing around the world. I wish you could come with me. I just can't. He'll become the person he was meant to be. Got a boat missing out of Quincy Harbor. That girl's alive, Charlie. I can do this. I'm gonna find Tess right now. Charlie St. Cloud, rated PG-13, July 30th. So just tying it together... I totally saw this trailer on E's Coming Attraction show <laughs> 10 years ago. Otherwise, yeah. why would I have clicked play on this? So I was racking my brain to try to figure out who, where I've seen the love interest before. And mm-hmm. she plays, she's on um, Silicon Valley. She's oh, like huh. the, the guy's like friend in the venture capitalist. Right. She's the, sphere. she's the character who should have become the main character's love interest. And they somehow didn't and still stuck around on the show the entire time. Yeah, it, she's awesome. Yeah, it makes almost no sense, but I'm glad she did. Uh, really yeah, like that this, show. this movie is um, it's pretty people being mm-hmm. sad, um, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's about um, Zac Efron's little brother dies in a car accident, and so every day he goes and plays catch with him in the <laughs> woods. But of course, he's not really there because he's dead, um, and he's kind of like tied to this like small boating town, um, like. Because of that, I guess, in a way, like never really goes away to college or anything like that. And then this woman comes into his life and kind of makes him want to 
do more and get away more. And she's trying, she is about to go on a sailing around the world adventure. And then there's like a little mystery and it's supernatural and it's in a little, in a gen, it's gently supernatural. Let's just put it that way. Hmm. It, it, sounds it doesn't like... make a lot of sense. Like at the end, like the, <laughs> it, like the ending, even if you're, it's like, it does not follow its own like rules that it sets up for like what it, what the dead are doing or like what's going on here with like how he interacts with dead people. So like in that way, it's annoying, but you know, it's fine. It sounds like Swiss hmm. Army Man for Republicans. I'm not going to watch this. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, this sounds like a, an old-fashioned weepy. And we still get some of those, like, you know, notebook-type things yeah. that are, like, Any- ro- romantic, heartfelt, yeah. ma- mini melodramas. Like, maybe someone's going to get killed and then everyone will cry about it. I had to look it up and make sure this was not a Nicholas Sparks. And I don't I don't think it was. Right. Sure it was not. Yep. Well, as for movies I did see, hello, what, man, this sucks. <laughs> um, uh, cast listed here, it's one of the best comedic casts ever assembled to do nothing. Mm. Oh, uh, yeah, I've missed some people. Hold on, I want to put in a couple more. Yeah, uh, Jermaine Clement, uh, oh, yeah. Kristen Shaw, Nick Kroll, uh, Peter, what's his name in there? Um, Jeff Dunham, Ron Livingston, Bruce Greenwood, Zach Galifianakis, Paul Rudd. Uh, the lady who plays Ma in that scary movie, Ma. Right. Octavia Spencer. Octavia Spencer. Octavia Spencer. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. Paul Rudd. Patrick Fischler. Steve oh, Carell. Yeah. Steve Carell. Uh, dinner for schmucks. I host a dinner. And it's top secret. On July 30th, many are called, but only one will be chosen. First prize goes to the biggest idiot. <laughs> She's talking to the lobster. It's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. I am making you say everything that I say. Yeah, but I'm saying it first. Are you? Oh my gosh. I'm a naughty schoolgirl. You look a little old to be a schoolgirl. You are a wise man. As are you. Dinner for schmucks. We did PG. It's like every every second of watching this is like, this has to get good in a second, right? You have to let these people just fuck around with one another. And and, it, and the rest of the cast does. It's just the the anchors of Paul Rudd and Steve Carell just not not enough. It's so weird. Steve Carell, one of like my favorite people to see on screen. I, I'm the guy who de- who defended John Stewart's Irresistible. I think he's fantastic in that movie, and I think it's underrated. And it wasn't meant to save politics, and is excellent. And people should watch hmm. it if they care. And he's great in it. Steve Carell shines amazingly when you cast him as kind of a regular person trying to act out of his trying to behave out of his realm mm. you're, you're you're Michael Scotts or your brick brick tamlin brick tamlin yes or the 40 old virgin yeah like like that kind of stuff he can be charming but like this kind like the depths of dumb or the amount of comedic force he's needing to use it like doesn't work for me when Steve Carell yeah. gets this silly you know, mm-hmm. I agree. That is a great point because, yeah, looking back on it, anytime he does like a really charactery sort of thing, it just falls short. But when he's just playing like a guy, like even Dan in real life is pretty good. Yeah, like, him, him being he does a, a pretty good job with that. Him doing his best attempt at being just above normal is like it's really hard to do that version of Steve Carell. But whatever he did here, like I could do that. Like why? Why did you need Steve Carell to be this guy? Uh, yeah. And, and yeah. And then, and then Paul Rudd is there as the straight man, even though he's funnier than many of the people in the movie. And 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 there's clearly some improv, but just like 
not a fucking enough. Like, like I, I wonder what this movie would have done in like the hands of Judd Apatow or something like that. Hmm. Just, I mean, well, it's in good comedy hands. It's in Jay Roach who did what Meet the Parents, Austin Powers. I know a bunch of other stuff. I wish I was a Meet the Parents fan. Yeah, uh, I know. Well, someone was. I mean, they made all the a lot money. of people were, but uh, they made three, four of them, whatever. Um, but I mean, I there's a couple things that I liked about this movie. I like that it's got a simple plot and instead of feeling like rushed and stupid and hack, everyone's a little more fleshed out. Like the, the stakes are a little more fleshed out. It's not just like, Oh no, I've got to have the thing with the guy at the office place that I worked at. Hey, I'm your boss. And I'm telling you that if you don't do this thing, we'll fire. Oh no, I have to do the thing. Mm. You know, it's like it's such a dumb setup. That it's it's a bizarre premise, better. a frat hazing almost, like a, yeah, like like a she's all that, but with uh, people you're not fucking. We're gonna well, ha- we have a secret skull and bones dinner where you bring the biggest dummy, uh, and yeah. you'll somehow accelerate and, in this corporate world. It's uh, yeah, I get and, it. And just yeah, I mean they they kind of flesh out the business side of things more than just having it being a, a cheap setup. But, ev- I mean, everyone else in the movie is more interesting than the leads. Yeah, which, okay, there is, yeah, totally. is a problem. I mean, what kind of bugged me was they're like, oh, you have to bring someone who's just a total idiot jackass to this party. Meanwhile, then, like the next scene, he meets Jermaine Clement, who's like this fancy artist who steals every drop oh of the God. movie he is near. <laughs> my favorite like, part. Why, why aren't you inviting this asshole? Mm-hmm. Nope, we're going to go find Steve Carell, who's just a little weird. And yeah. kind of dumb. And, and, and immediately pitiable. <laughs> That's yeah, right. But he's pitiable. Yeah. Not crazy. That's and, why it's it makes, meaner makes, than it is funny, I feel like. Makes little mouster pieces. I was like. <laughs> My God, I love that it's part. It's one of the you best. Know, I love tiny them. things. It's one of the best opening sequences of 2010. Yes. And I, I looked like, into it. That the, that's the Chiodo brothers, the guys who directed Killer Clowns from Outer Space. They made all those mouse. No <laughs> what? Way. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they've yeah. only directed one movie, and it's it's Killer Clowns, and they did mostly effects work and miniatures. That's amazing. And stuff. Yeah, they're like really, really mm-hmm. nice dioramas with taxidermied mice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I mean, there's all kinds of stuff about like, oh no, I don't tell my girlfriend this thing. Oh, you told the girlfriend this thing, and uh, yeah, I mean, just when and then when Janae, Jermaine Clement is around, then mm-hmm. Zach Galifianakis shows up and steals the rest of the movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. where it's like. I almost want to tell people watch it and then just fast forward until you see one of them show up. Yeah, that's it's, true. It's yeah. so, it's so weird because like what I think it does really well <laughs> when I uh, just think if you think about an Adam Sandler movie and you get done with it, I'm like that was too much for too little. But this movie sort of builds to like there are four thousand competing Adam Sandler movie characters on screen right now. <laughs> yeah, and, and, but I mean. That is the point of the movie. It is, like, but, but that's still so. like, that's excellent. Like, because now they're mostly people we know, right? And and mm-hmm. it, it, they're acting to high heaven in a role that would be incredibly embarrassing to do for more than the third act. But like, it's what a cool idea! And yeah, yeah. Okay, Chris O'Dowd is blind swordsman. Sure, Love it. <laughs> yes. And yeah, and, and, and based on a French movie called Dinner with Idiots. The sh- did you see the part of the wiki about like the controversy over the title? Yes. <laughs> uh, why? Why did yeah. you call this? What's with the Semitic origins of schmucks? Would you call this a dinner for schlemiels or? Just, 
Mm. For schmeckles? Well, I like... mean, technically, probably should be dinner for schlemiels. Mm-hmm. Uh, or even dinner for schlemazels. I hmm. agree, but it also could be called like a idiot's dinner. Or... <laughs> Yeah. Or Dum Dum Ball or something like that. This, this, <laughs> Dinner the, for Dum Dums. Unless Dinner this, the title was focus tested exclusively on 70 year old editors of Mad Magazine. The, the, <laughs> the title makes me so angry. Well, and, but it is a little bit. I mean, I do think it's more fitting than just saying it's a dinner with like people who are not smart. I mean, it, it's, it's dinner with people who have a shtick. Hmm. <laughs> More Yiddish. So, Thank you. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Got you there. Um, but like, it's you know, not only are these people maybe not smart, but they're also like ha- think that they're very special in a way. And I think where mm-hmm. the movie does miss the mark is that all those people are interesting. Yeah, all those people yeah. are people that I would love to have a dinner party with and not make fun of them. Like, actually, be like, oh my god, I love your little mouse dioramas. Please show me more. Like, I don't know. I didn't hate this movie as as much as I thought I was going to. I do think part of the joy of the movie, though, is that it's 10 years old. And so now watching it, you're like, oh, my God, there's Randall Park and basically a non-speaking role. Like, (laughs) that's weird. Larry Fillmore is on there for like two seconds. Like, Andrea Savage kind of is excellent. Like, she's kind of steals the show as the only, Mm -hmm. like, mean lady executive. Um, But... Yeah, I think it's a very interesting watch. I don't think it hits every comedy beat that it should have. Hmm. I, I think that's that's it. It has that J. Roach studio comedy. We don't trust the audience to get jokes, so yeah. we're gonna mm. make sure we punctuate yeah. this and get out yes. of here. And and I just yeah, I just that's why I know people shit on Judd Apatow, but he knows how to let like and 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 Paul Feig, but they they know how to like get out of the way of funny people having fun, and I mm-hmm. think that this movie really could have benefited from someone like them. And mm-hmm. I would love to see something this madcap. It's like a mad, 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 mad world. The dinner, like, yeah. like <laughs> we should have this. There should be a better version of this. I like the premise. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I don't like the flavors. premise or the people, but it it gave me flavors of get him to the Greek, like. Very madcap. Very like Uh you're meeting a bunch of different characters. Like this is kind of an adventure. You're going all over the city, you know, like Mm -hmm. that part of it I like, you know. Yeah. And there's not going to be, I guess part of my complaint though is that it's like, there's not a lot of downtime and it's like, that's good. Like you got to keep this sucker moving. And anytime there is even a tiny bit of downtime, like I feel like a lot of the momentum sort of falls apart Mm -hmm. and but then, then it picks right back up because then, like, yeah, another ringer comes in. Uh, yeah, Lucy Punch is really good. Oh, I love her. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Where where do I know her from? So she's been in a bunch of situation comedies. Some of them, like, one season only. Some of them recurring. She's usually, like, a fantastic, like, featured player in, like, a sitcom or something. Right. She's in Hot Fuzz, but I don't know if I know where. Right. Yeah, she was, like, I kept thinking that she was someone else, but yeah, she was really, again, really over the top, really yeah. going for it. And yeah, I think you're right, Chris, that Steve Carell in particular, but also Paul Rudd are really good at reacting to craziness going on around them mm-hmm. or not quite processing the craziness, but trying to. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, honestly, that's, I mean, it's it's streaming in a couple places right now. So I'd say, yeah, mm-hmm. watch Dinner for Schmucks and you can fast forward. <laughs> Yeah, yeah fast forward. I mean, really, just fast forward till Jemaine Clement shows up, and then you can fast forward again. 
uh, till Zach Galifianakis shows up and then just watch to the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good recommendation yeah. for sure. You don't really need all the setup of like what this dinner is, why he it's so important to him, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. What, how they met. Like you don't really need any of that. Nah. I do love though when two people are in a movie together and then they show they're like also together in like a show later on, like how we had Bradley Whitford and John Spencer in um, Presumed Innocent. And then, then they mm-hmm. were both on the West Wing. So now in this one, we have Stephanie Sostak who played the love interest and Ron Livingston who now play husband and wife in a television drama called A Million Little Things. Hmm. So there you go. There we go. Nobody watches that show except for me. So this is really just true. <laughs> nope. It's true. Uh, speaking of things, I I have not. We've never discussed this feature on our show. Things I've had in my Netflix queue for ten years. Uh, the kids are all right. <laughs> oh, I've been this... meaning to get to this because I love everyone involved, and I thought the premise looked interesting and the trailer's funny. Uh, Mark Ruffalo, Josh Hutcherson, uh, Mia Wasikowska, and uh, pretty close. Pretty Julian close. Moore. I gave up. Uh, Annette Benning and the kids are all right. Each of my moms had a kid. With your sperm? Like in two. Like in gay. Right on. I love lesbians. I get it. He's their biological father. Like, we're not enough or something? Go easy on the wine, hun. Same goes for the micromanaging. I feel like he's taking over my family. Marriage is hard. Two people, year after year. Sometimes you stop seeing the other person. Annette Benning, Julianne Moore, Mark Ruffalo. Oh, an unconventional family. <laughs> the kids are all right. Directed by Lisa Cholodenko. Rated R. Lisa Cholodenko? Why don't we mention that at the top? Yeah. I don't know who yeah. that is. Uh, <laughs> I, oh, she's awesome. Come on, man. Yeah. Laurel Canyon. High yeah. Art. Those are fun. Oh. Uh, yeah. So A lot of TV. Yeah. This, I guess, nominated for Best Picture. And uh, it deserves it. This movie is mm-hmm. fucking great. And it mm-hmm. at first I was sort of, I thought this would be sort of shoegazy, sort of mumblecore, like, oh, you got all these white people and then their problems and their emotions they can't handle. Blah. And no, that is not it at all. It covers a lot of bases of like, even just bases, what is a family? How do you keep a marriage going? what do people need from each other emotionally physically i who you know, who needs what kind of respect uh where do how do you deal with your kids how do your kids deal with your parents it's like there's a lot going on in a pretty short movie it's great like yeah. it's just so well done and I, so i first saw it in the theaters when it came out 10 years ago and i remember walking away with a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth because part of <laughs> The, the thrust of the movie, no pun intended, is that <laughs> one of one of the moms has a little bit of an affair with the sperm, sperm donor for their kids, um, and yep. they are lesbians. So it's like, what's going on? And so I kind of was like, come on. Like, do we have to have, like, you know, oh, she's, like, going back to a man, you know, or something like that. Like, mm-hmm. do we really have to do that? But then watching it again 10 years later with a little better understanding of the world, I just think it's – fantastic and really right on and julianne moore and annette benning played the best married couple like you (laughs) feel like they really know each other like super intimately like they feel like two people who have like lived together and lived in each other's lives for a really long time like they i don't know their chemistry is so good like Mm -hmm. as two people you know really like trying to make something work annette benning is just fantastic 
Yeah, I I was worried. Yeah, when when the cheating things starts, I remember at first I was like, oh god, is this movie going to be about how like she was straight the whole time and right. this is going to fix her? Right. And then it it's not much longer. I realize like. I mean, I realized, maybe everyone realized, or maybe they realized it before, that's like, oh no, this is how bad things are. That she mm-hmm. feels like she's getting so little love and respect and attention from her spouse that she will go get it anywhere she can. She gets this little bit of respect from this guy, and she will fuck this guy even though she doesn't like dudes. Mm-hmm. But that's just, like, how lonely she feels. Mm-hmm. Like, oh... Oh, that's not good. It this is. happy marriage has problems. No, but they're so cute. It says a lot, too, about, like, desire and what mm-hmm. it means. And its place in a marriage, its place in what should, you know, what's like a platonic relationship. And even the idea of, um, like, these kids who are getting to know their dad. And I'm not saying this in a creepy way either, but that lack of affection that they have had with now their birth father. I mean, bio father that they've never known before. And then how do they relate to him and what, you know, mm-hmm. what kind of relationship do they want with him and he, that he wants with them and, you know, what's missing in yeah. his life. Yeah. It's- and the, and the mom's feeling like we have our family here. Who the fuck mm-hmm. are you? Mm-hmm. And, and the dad's sort of being like, I'm part of your family now, I guess. Mm-hmm. And they're like, who are you? Like, well, no, you jerked off into a cup. Go away. And Annette Benning plays anger so well. And she is so angry in this movie. And when I was watching it, I was really feeling a, a strong connection to her character because it just, you can just palpably feel how angry and frustrated she is with so many things in her life. And she's, you know, very busy, very type A. She's trying, she feels like she's trying to hold everything together and she's doing everything. And despite her best efforts, she feels like her family is slipping away from her and Mm -hmm. layer that on with the idea that like, you know, yes, even 10 years ago, even now, it's probably not super easy to be same sex parents. And then the idea that Oh, so the straight guy's gonna come into my family now and like mess up this thing that we worked so hard to build mm. is just like that palpable anger that comes from her. I just found to be like so interesting and so well done. I yeah. just love it so much. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. I know. No, the kids are all right is not a movie that's just sort of like, oh boo fucking who. Uh, you and your fucking problems. Oh no. Uh, yeah. Which, like, so many family interpersonal dramas just end up kind of making me roll my eyes, where it's like, Mm. been there, done that, seen it, whatever. Or they're, like, super not recognizable to me as, Mm -hmm. like, people I know, or humans, like, everyone feels like a real person, and this feels like a real situation that people would be in, and there's a lot of different ways it could go. Mm -hmm. And it just stays interesting the whole time. I never got bored. And honestly... These kind of movies can make me sort of look at my watch. And I, I never did. And I've never felt so seen by <laughs> a movie except for when they are discussing pornography. And <laughs> like them explaining. And I don't want to spoil what? it because it's like, it's so good. Well, go uh, ahead. It's fine. Yeah. I, well, just to, to get Chris back interested is to explain, Listen. why would two lesbians watch gay male porn? Why? 
That's well, they talk about that's that. That's what they explain. And I, when they explain the it, variables they think are missing from their relationship, without revealing too much about myself, or maybe actually revealing too much about myself, when they explained that, I was like, "Wow, okay, this totally makes sense. <laughs> I get it now." Um, yeah, I, I that whole discussion is fantastic. Yeah. And very no. real. Rings very yeah. true. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. So, Chris, get it out of your queue. Go go freaking watch it, man. I want to. I want to. I picked it up from the library the other day, so they have it on DVD there. Oh, I just leave the house. Um, <clears throat> thankfully, there's TV. 2010 TV. July 24th to the 30th. MasterChef debuts? I guess I was confusing with Iron Chef. This is the, this is the, uh, the, the Gordon Ramsay one, right? No. no, this is I one forget. of the cooking shows I missed out on. Oh, so. okay. See, okay, no idea, <laughs> no idea. Uh, the 29th, uh, President Obama is on the View. That has to be great. Yeah, um, the first mm-hmm. uh, sitting president to be on a daytime television talk show. I mean, I really wish I could sit down my right wing friends who are to this day screaming about Obama, <laughs> mm. and just like he was at least the most accessible president. He didn't really yeah. have any qualms about showing up on pretty much anything. You ever mm-hmm. hear Zach Galifianakis and Scott Ackerman talk about him being on Between Two Ferns? Oh like, God, so good. Yeah, I just want to want to get people interested in voting. Do whatever. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. The other guy wants to hijack a coronavirus briefing where he gets campaign <laughs> numbers up. Uh, yeah, Obama would kind of, I don't know what show, I remember like the Daily Show getting a president on, it's the biggest deal in the world, and then he just did every other show and ruined it. Uh, he <laughs> <Yeah>. did, <laughs> and then he did WTF, and it was like, whoa. Yeah, yeah. Did, WTF, did a podcast. Did Tonight Show, did, yeah, whatever, yeah. I'll show up. Accessible, I mean, that's still like a, it's still neat, and it like, it tears down a barrier, you think, from the most powerful person in our country, and you, um, you were five steps away from the president depending on what your Patreon membership is. Make it high. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Make, <laughs> um, uh, uh, yeah, we should start emailing. Let's see if we can set it up. Sure. <laughs> Obama, come on. He's not doing so what anything. Were you doing? What were you doing this week in 2000, Barry? Uh, <laughs> I don't think so. I have a Netflix deal. Don't need this oh, bullshit. Okay. <laughs> gonna... Did you see Cats and Dogs 2, The Revenge of Kitty Galore? <laughs> didn't, didn't use any of your hair growth and erection pills either. Don't, don't have the ed don't need it <laughs> uh and then deadliest warrior season two navy <laughs> season two finale navy seal versus israeli commando uh that sounds like a fantastic game for the ps2 but yeah spoiler they the, gave it to the navy seals and i'm not sure about that yeah uh, i don't know it is not probably Israeli commando. i mean yeah probably I don't know. And, Fair uh, enough. But if you thought things were getting boring around here, we have nothing interesting to talk about. Uh, like, oh, you're talking about niche movies. I don't care about kids are all right. Whatever. Back the fuck up. Yep. Yeah. One of the one of the best things I've ever seen in perhaps one of the most the worst production schedules I've ever. Why do they do it like oh, this? God. But <laughs> it's worse than Curb Your Enthusiasm almost. Yeah, yeah but nothing's but, worse than that. But it's worse than The Sopranos was. Sherlock debuts this mm-hmm. in what is it? It's in its fifth season of <laughs> 10 years later. Is yeah, it, I don't even think there's going to be one more. Yeah, well, I they, they said maybe there will be, but I, I, I mean, after that last season, mm, yeah, everyone I, needs mm. to take a breather. <laughs> 
I think I think some of the magic wore off because like I watched the first season of Sherlock with Benedict Cumberbatch and Martin Freeman, now both proud members of the MCU. I, I watched it more than once and remember recommending it to people younger and older and like I remember my I'd never heard my dad use the word superb in a text message. Like Ooh. that was like that was Ooh. that was amazing. It's for Antista. Like I, no one was interested in the idea of an updated Sherlock Holmes, but like Benedict Cumberbatch is as someone I had literally never seen. Uh, yeah. What a great take on the character, and I, I again not familiar with the Moffat universe or even really the Sherlock like a lot of the Sherlock Holmes book books. Uh, the, that first season is immaculate. It's fucking great. Mm, it's yeah. really yep, good. It's pretty much perfect. And by I, by season I we mean three movies, <laughs> three movies, three ninety minute movies. Yeah. Um, it, not episodic. You like they are movie movies. You need to watch them in one sitting. I would recommend that. And it it gets further batshit from there, uh, <laughs> but it's all based on the work of Sir. <laughs> Yeah. Arthur Conan Doyle. He quit yeah. and killed his characters in elaborate ways and would then unretire and bring them back. And that's how it worked. And they're, they're like almost slaves to the, the source material while keeping Sherlock updated. Mm-hmm. And I believe, mm-hmm. it, in my opinion, was like, I remember everybody like criticized it for it, but it was one of the first times I remember people. People are primarily communicating through text, so text would just show up on screen like subtitles oh, yeah. instead of showing mm-hmm. us the face of someone's stupid phone, which can I like undate the show by like ten years just by doing mm-hmm. that. Uh, yeah, I, really- I love it. I mean, just just in the first episode, a study in pink, which does pull a lot from Study in Scarlet. Mm-hmm. Just you know, a scene of a press briefing and all the lo- everyone's phones go off at the same time and it's visualized on screen. It's like that's the moment I was like. Oh, this is interesting. Uh-huh. You have my attention now. Uh-huh. It's 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 and, co-written yeah, it's by just... Mycroft. Who's the guy who plays Mycroft? Uh, Mark Gaddis. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. All these people I was unfamiliar <laughs> with, other than Mar- Martin Watson, was the the biggest attachment I had. Oh, oh you see, I God. I knew a lot of these people. So Mark Gaddis, I knew from League of Gentlemen, oh. which is yeah, uh, a disgusting show. But damn, Are you fucking local? funny. Yeah. Yeah, it's a local shop for local people. With blackface. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. and uh, you know, Stephen Moffat, I know it's, he, he was suing uh, Doctor Who before that. Coupling, which I loved coupling. Mm-hmm. And uh, Cumberbatch I'd seen already in Atonement, and I want to say something else. And mostly Tinker it was Taylor, just like... Soldier Spy? Look at the that fucking was cheekbones on that guy. Just mm-hmm. That is an interesting looking guy. Oh, yeah. He's really good in a He, he said it. He's like, movie. I was so glad I got this because I was tired of being cast as an inbred aristocrat. Yeah. But then also the show gave us Moriarty played by Hot Priest. Ooh, yeah. girl. Andrew Scott. Ooh, which, yeah. oh my God. I mean, he, he shows up at the end of the first season and it's like such a bizarre take on Moriarty. Yes, it really is. I love it. And I, I'm fanning myself like I'm in church. Like, ooh, it's hot and, priest. Yeah, and their, their perception of talent and good and evil, I'm not the only one to say this, so don't jump on me, is all really mm. spectrum takes mm. on, yeah. on, on, on above average people who lean, but are just look very abnormal next Watson is our anchor here. And I know mm-hmm. that's how the books are all written, but like um, Martin Freeman in that role is just really, really fun. And like casting him as an Iraqi war vet with yeah. PTSD mm-hmm. is just, 
is completely novel, like compared to. Well, that's going back. It we, is we're still going back to the books. I know, mm-hmm. and that, that's why I think it's yeah. it's it's pretty crazy. And I think the further the further when you can't find parallels in the books, like when like that's a lot of helicopters and snipers. I think I'm done with Sherlock at this point. Uh, mm. I don't think I saw the most recent season, but the first two I thought were so excellent. Again, by when we say yeah. season, you have. Watch the first season of Sherlock. It is three 90-minute movies. It is wonderful. You can do it over mm. the course of three nights. It's div- It does make it difficult to binge. It really does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, just just that yeah. extra half hour. It's not an episode. It is a movie. And- yeah. Yeah. I, I would, yeah. I, I would recommend the first two. I think the first two series are, are basically above reproach. And then mm-hmm. the third and fourth, uh, the, the they drop pretty hard, honestly, in, in quality. Yeah. Just the the plots get goofier, mm-hmm. uh, weirder, sillier, mm-hmm. but they treat them very seriously. Silly. Yeah, they, they treat them so seriously, and it's like, uh, you wouldn't have treated that shit seriously a couple minutes ago. Like, mm-hmm. what? What? Yeah, that's kind of a bummer. It's, but it's it's very strange. But other than Problem Child, Sherlock season one is kind of my recommend of the week. It, it is it is the, <laughs> it is. In my opinion, the best movie out this week. Having not seen Kids Are All Right, don't jump down my throat. It, technically, it's a TV show, but they're all movies. They're mm-hmm. all movie length, so it's almost we should talk about it like it's a movie, except that it was on PBS here in the states. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the I mean, is- I would recommend doing like if if you're partnered up, or even if you're not, do a solo bolo date and do like a little date night, like every Friday, mm-hmm. watch an episode because it is like a movie, mm-hmm. and just kind of treat yourself. Mm-hmm. I think it's. It would be a very nice treat uh, yeah. during these times. And also, I implore you, I think it's still on YouTube, but Pete Holmes has a very funny sketch kind of goofing on this version of Sherlock with Benedict Cumberbatch. Um, and it's it's very funny. So I, I highly recommend checking that out, too. Yeah, if you have, have to I look mean, that up. Benedict yeah. Cumberbatch is everywhere now because of the power of this show and the people yes. the, the the people who the cumber bitches yeah the, mm-hmm. <laughs> the cumber uh, bitches yeah, yeah that he's got he's got two references to ejaculation in his name and it succeeded nonetheless it's it's <laughs> it's really batch batch i just i just think it's so it's got so many syllables and so many sounds that you can just put anything in there yeah. you know is <laughs> benevolent cumberbund or breaded camembert <laughs> And, yeah, it's fun. And then Martin Freeman, Martin Freeman cast it. No, Martin. Again, the show is, <laughs> is he the related show, to Morgan. The show no. is excellent, and I'm just I want to go watch the wedding episode right now. I thought that I, re- I, I really can't recommend the show enough. Yeah. Can't recommend many of the games this week, um, but they're all interesting. Need for Speed World, I believe, a shuttered um, open world free to play Need for Speed game. Again, I'll look into that more. Patreon.com slash laser time. Starcraft Wings of Liberty. Blast Blue Continuum Shift. Clash of Titan Clash of the Titans. Is this Liam Neeson's only game appearance? Again, didn't look into it, but it might be. Uh, Hydro Thunder Hurricane and SimCity Deluxe for iOS. A lot of games that may not exist right now. It's the most games that may be shut down and inaccessible. I've just mentioned in this segment. We will find out. Patreon.com slash laser time. Brought to you by people like Joshua Clazer. That's how this whole network is brought to you. We really appreciate it, especially during these trying times. But if you've got five bucks to spend, we will give you a whole lot of extra stuff. Over 100 movie commentaries. New episodes of Stick of Star Wars coming very, very soon. And uh, a bonus show every single week, as well as a bonus video game show for 302010. And a ton of like archive content. You will not be bored if you are... 
playing as much of Ghosts of Tsushima as I am listening to the podcast. Hear more about that on Video Game Apocalypse this week. Love that fucking game. Die, where can people find you? Now you can find me on Twitter at listenernerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D, or follow the show at 302010podcast, 302010podcast. Mm. Woo! I should say, yeah, teasing what's coming up. Um, Chris is going to talk for, I'm going to, I'm going to take bets on the over under a how long next week Chris talks about the DuckTales movie. Uh, no, not that long. It's, it, it's, uh-huh. it's, it's, it's making of his morning. It's not a great movie, um, mm-hmm. but I'll tell you where you can get it. And the answer might surprise you. <laughs> it won't. Disney Plus. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I should mention, I believe we are T minus two weeks before we have to defeat the seven evil X's. And with that out of the way, we got to figure out who was born and who died during this period, July 24th to the 30th of, of th- across three decades. Who, who died? Nobody. Nobody. Woo! Second week in a row. I could not find any very famous people who died. I found oh, one. I didn't double check it. it uh, Bobby Day, the guy who sang Rock and Robin, <laughs> he might have died. In 1990. Maybe. I don't know. But again, barely a person. I don't know. <laughs> oh, don't say that. I know. I shouldn't say that at all. Uh, but That's me. we got to figure out. But definitely someone had to have been born as we get into our birthday quiz. Oh, birthday is a doodly doo. A ding dong doodly doodly ding dong doo. Okay, happy 75th birthday to this dame of the British Empire born July 26, 1945, in Hammersmith, London. 1945, you say? Mm. Yes, turning 75 years old. Mm. Uh, her mom's family were old school Londoners, and her dad's family were Russian nobility that fled the revolution. Her grandfather, who was a diplomat, ended up as a cab driver. Although in London, that's a pretty hardcore job. She is. She has been knighted as a dame of the British Empire, and she's only short a Grammy to be an EGOT winner. Judy Dench. Nope. Damn it. I don't know any other dames. Some of the movies of hers we have talked about, and there are a lot. Uh, let's start with White Knights, where she met her husband, who's the director. Mm. They are still together. Prince of Egypt, Pascali's Island, and National Treasure Book of Secrets. Oh my god, I'm thinking of a person I cannot think of her name. It's very frustrating. Okay. How about Inkheart, State of Play, and The Last Station? Yep, yep, yep. What is her name? Don't look it up. Uh, keep going, Diana. More movie titles. All right. Well, they're going to get easier now. Mosquito Coast, The Cook, The Thief, His Wife, and Her Lover? Fuck. What? You're doing this. Tailing this is Sarah. I wouldn't know. <laughs> She's very hot. Yes, she is. Especially what is her name? Hel- Helen Mirren. God damn yes, it. Helen Mirren. what I was thinking of. You oh, got me with up. hot. You gave it to me. <laughs> oh my god picture of her in the bathtub no <laughs> number two in my hall pass look what I you did I was never gonna get it my brain was not getting it uh, I was gonna throw out her birth name as Elena Miranova but that's too close so yeah I would've known also we talked about teaching Mrs. Tingle the Queen and Love Ranch which is one of six of her movies we will talk about in 2010 Love Ranch. Dang. god I don't wanna see that yeah uh, I yeah. think we should share this point because I gave it to you I I think so. Uh, not all I of it. it. Certainly not all of it. Sixty uh, percent. I'll give you. I'll, yeah. I'll give you forty. About that. <laughs> and I'll trade you for a later time. All right. Yes. Okay. Oh my god! I can't. You're gonna, you're gonna buy futures on a future win. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm gonna trade it get for some a, derivatives. A, a, on. <laughs> Uh, we'll see. Maybe I have some embarrassing information I can throw out about Sarah involving her oh, love Lord, of space heaven. cowboys next week. 
Lord have mercy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, tune in next week. We do this every single week. Again, patreon.com slash leisure time if you would like to uh, personally con- make sure we continue to stay on the air. Uh, we do appreciate that very much. Everyone's just paid taxes and, dep- and is trying not to be depressed uh, on Mike. How about that? Uh, what are we closing out with this week, then? Well, nothing else really jumped out at me, but I will grab any opportunity to play The Who. So should we go out with Kids Are All Right? Why not? I dig it. Sure. Kids Are All Right by The Who. Put on your sunglasses. I'm assuming this is on one of the 17 versions of CSI. We will see you next week. Sometimes I feel I gotta get away.